everyone, and welcome to Between the Sheets, episode number 430. I'm your host, Chris Zoner, joined as always by my host, David Bixenspan. And Bix, we got kind of a light show this week. We're still in the 80s, but a spoiler alert, we'll more to make up for that next week. More on that later at the end of the show. So how are you doing this week? Scared for next week. <laughs> it's not bad, but it's it's more than this. Let's put it that way. Well, and also we did we and we also did the Hall of Fame show. We did do a Hall of Fame show. Yeah, this show being, you know, kind of a smaller show, um, it gave us the opportunity to record a special show. A very special episode of Between the Sheets as we uh, gave our thoughts on the 2003 Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame battle. 2003? 2023, sorry. And um, Oh, no. Are we doing 2003 next week? No, we're not doing 2003 next week. I'm sorry. I wish I was I wish I was back in 2003. I was 20 years younger. Um, but uh, it felt better. But, but yeah. So um, the 2023 Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame ballot. So we uh, talk about that. And uh, we run down every candidate on the list we don't uh, give our ballots per se although we do talk about people that we will be voting for yes but, uh, but uh, well we hadn't finished our ballots yet at the time the show no i still haven't finished recorded. mine as of we record this so but the ballots will be in by the time the show is up because the show is going up <laughs> on actually no it won't be yet it'll it'll you don't have to be. still a couple days yet yeah to go after this but yeah, so um, if you want to listen to that, it's up on the feed. So uh, you know, check that out. As uh, I thought, it was really good stuff. We talked about a lot of people on there that we normally don't talk about on this show. So uh, so yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. We actually got Chris a little engaged on the Joshi for once too. <laughs> well, again, it's sad that there's no neo ladies candidates on the ballot. But we're going to why would the- there be? Well. No, there will be recommendations. I will be recommending, uh, <laughs> beside Genki and Tanny Mouse, to be on the ballot next year, Bix, just for you. I want to tell Dave that you specifically asked me to do that, and uh, we'll see if I can get them make them happen. No, Kyoko Inoue is both a wrestler <laughs> and trainer. <laughs> so, all right, so let's go to the week that was November the 1st through the 7th of 1987. And we start with the World Wrestling Federation. Dave says he saw the Triforce Heart Foundation title change from Syracuse on the syndicated package this weekend. Overall, he gave about two and a half stars. The action was fine, although the finish was pretty weak, especially the quick bell on the submission. What he didn't like about the match was it went just under nine minutes and there wasn't a commercial break taken during the match, which is a rarity for a syndicated match in this era to go that long without some type of commercial. Although so, we'll talk about why in a moment. <laughs> All right, yes, yeah, so uh, let's go to the uh, finish run of this match, shall we, and see how Strike Force became the new champions. Right here, hard is very quick at it. What a surprise oh, well, by talking. Santana with the reversal. Santana making his way over the time. And unfortunately, Ray! Two first men in there, look at him go Something we never talked about. Ooh, my, instead of Ooh, my. Good night, Hart. Reversal. Mark Kelvin, a buckle. Throwing red duck out of the corner. Good. Oh, come on. He's kind of 
no interference, that would have been it. You would have seen new champions. Meanwhile, Santana. Get the hitman reeling. Ooh, down for the midsection. Look at this double team. All right. All right. That's right. Slam. Santana gets out of there. Martel trying to get him over. Boston Crab, submission. It's our background here. We have Hillbilly Jim, Blackjack Mulligan, Jack Tunney. That's not so, Blackjack Mulligan. Are you? Yeah. Wait. Who is that? It's not Blackjack. Billy Jack. Okay. It was a little. It's dark here. Uh, some people we can't tell in Bam Bam. Jack Tunney. I said Tunney. Yeah. Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, is JYD there? Maybe I don't know. Let's see. It wasn't an easy match by no means, Greg, but I guarantee you, we knew we had to do it tonight, or else they might not give us another chance. We had to put it all together, baby. Hey, there's something else, Raquel Santana, new WWF Tag Team Champions. And next week, ladies and gentlemen, what a matchup. So, right yeah, I mean. Of wrestling. Although, what is the crowd chanting there? One on one, the superstar Billy Graham takes on the natural book three. Plus, William. Oh, are they chanting "Let's go, Orange Man"? I mean, it might, maybe. I don't know. It was Syracuse, um, but yeah, I mean, a tactile change on television, which that happened a lot in WWE history. But I mean, that was the title that changed hands on television by far the most. Look at your old title histories in PW, you know, PWI Almanac and stuff, and you know, for years and years, you have these stretches where it's all Allentown. Some, I mean, they had some, you know, house show changes mixed in. Or some garden or spectrum or something like that. They did, but there is a long stretch where it's just TV. But um, it'd been a minute since they'd done the TV, ta- you know, tactile change like this. Well, and, no, the last title change was on TV. Yeah, but that... You don't count that because of the circumstances? Yeah, it's whistle. Yeah, that was just like uh, sort of out of necessity, I guess. Right, because so, uh, uh, before that was WrestleMania 2... Before that was Spectrum House Show. Before that was TV. 
So outside of whatever the hell they had, you know, we, not knowing what they had planned for the Bulldogs to lose the titles originally, if you take that out because they weren't originally planned to lose the titles, then the last TV title switch is uh, U.S. Express regaining the tag titles from Sheik and Volkov two years earlier. And, boy, I mean, Strikeforce has not been together that long as a team, but, man, the fans were hot for that title change, man. They were just going crazy. And they've only been together for, what, three, four months? Not even that long. Because it, not even that long. Yeah, because, I, I mean, Martel's previous partner, Queet, in June. Yeah, him and Tito, they hook up, what, in September? I can check. But, but yeah, I mean, it was a great pop of the title change. Um, as, uh, you know, out of nowhere, because, I mean, he did, Martel had that boss of grab on for just a matter of seconds. Before Anvil tapped out. Well, no tapping, but I mean that, well, that wasn't that era, quick. though. Um, and it's believable because that was Martel's move. Yes, and uh, Strike Force formed on the August fourth Superstars tapings in the episode that aired the weekend of August twenty second. So yeah, in the end of August. So less than three months, really. Yeah, just over two months. Yeah. And now they got you know their theme song, "Girls and Cars." Well, the instrumental version of "Girls and Cars." Yes. But, uh, yeah, so Dave uh, goes up morning. So the reason Titan shows include the title change this week and we'll have main event caliber matches next few weeks is because of the November sweeps, which determine advertising rates for the next few months. Dave can understand why Crockett hasn't spiced up his shows for the same reason. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> and, hey, it's one of the times Dave actually does get sweeps correct because – and this is the thing that people always get confused about sweeps are not even technically for national ratings. They are to set local ad rates. So that's why it network and syndicated shows, you know, try to be more flashy during sweeps, but it's not actually about the network ratings. It's about setting the local rating, like setting the ad rates for the local ratings, you know, in various markets, especially those that don't have, you know, like electronic metering. Yeah. And, you know, this was a pattern. More so in May and November, n not always as much in February or July. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, can you think off the top of your head, like, promotions beefing up the syndicated shows as much during the other two sweeps? No. I wonder why. I don't know. But, yeah, and this is a thing that happens plenty. Now, cable shows sometimes would get beefed up during sweeps, but only as competition. You know, to stave off the competition so they have a more attractive show. Um, and of course, TBS, as the superstation, is also subject to sweeps because it's a superstation. So the Atlanta feed is part of sweeps. Strifeforce in the Heart Foundation... I mean, I'd say Strifeforce was Heart Foundation's greatest uh, opponent in this era for for a feud because they did the tag title rematches. Then you had Macho and Honky in for the six mans. Then that goes to the steel cages. Um, Cause the heart foundation reign as champions. It's basically Davy and random partners um, in the killer bees. And well, dogs once dynamite's back. Yeah, but there, 
their run is better after their <laughs> you argued that they they have more high profile run after they lose the titles than they were when they were the champions. Arguably, yeah. Because that yeah, that those six mans are headlining everywhere they go and the Hart Foundation wasn't necessarily headlining as much. And the thing is, and the thing is on this though is uh, it's not the Hart Foundation is not the first you for Strike Force, it's the Islanders. Well, they were already feuding with the Islanders. Yeah, but it's even more now. I mean, they've been feuding with the Islanders since they formed. It was the Islanders feud that leads to the team being formed. Yeah. Because the so, Islanders were already feuding with the Can-Am Connection. Strikeforce doesn't get talked about enough in the in the WF tag teams of this era. I mean, they're not together very long. I know, but they're... <laughs> They they have really strong tag matches. I mean, you can, I mean the Islanders matches some of the best tag matches of the decade for mm-hmm. the WF. I mean they had good stuff with the Heart Foundation, good stuff with Demolition. So they had a hell of a run for the short time they were together. Yes, absolutely. Revitalized Tito, which he needed. Yeah. So uh, honestly, su- go ahead. It was just a success all the way around. I was going to say, though, the one thing, it's a, it is kind of too bad, though, that after they drop the belt, Tito O doesn't really keep the momentum. Well, after I mean, Martel, the injury angle and stuff. But that's what I'm saying. Martel's gone. Right, but he's just left to do, you know, a prelim house show feud with Valentine. And they have great well, matches, but... Yeah, but that's not his fault. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying they should have used him better while Martel was on his hiatus. Yeah. They should have given him a new partner. Even a temporary partner. That would have fed the planned storyline well anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, the Slammys TV special has now been cleared on 116 stations, including all the top 40 markets, for December 19th air date. Interesting experiment, although syndicated TV specials were a lot more common in the late 80s than they would be later. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see where it aired in Georgia. Um, cause I, I think it aired on a completely different station than Pedicino. Uh, okay. It aired on channel 30. Oh, it aired on channel 36 on Saturday, Saturday night. It was part of, it became part of the block that night. Okay. So they aired in the block at 11 p.m. Okay, checking the New York Daily News. It was on their New York affiliate, Fox 5. So, yeah, so it was part of the block. Um, so this is what, I... yeah, Saturday at 11 p.m. Here, I forgot, was it live or? No. No, it wasn't live. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I remember watching it. I remember Duggan and Race. You know, the brawl that went forever and all that stuff. That's been the most memorable part about the show. So, yeah, a one-time experiment. So. Yeah. And according to Bret Hart's book, as far as he knows, no wrestler was paid at all for their involvement in Pile Driver or the, or the second Slammy special. Of course. Um, it was, let's see, when... It was taped on the 16th at Caesars in Atlantic City, so it aired on a three-day delay. 
Now, the first Slammys in Baltimore was live on USA or MTV? MTV, and it was part of a a show that had wrestling. It was part of, yes. There's actually a wrestling show at the Baltimore Arena. Even though they were using the stage and had the, you know, the area by the stage, you know, cordoned off. Yeah. All right, with the cutting down the two shows a night, four on the weekends, the lineups are much deeper with less prelim guys. Dave expects crowds should, should pick up because of it. Oh, just you wait, Dave. It's about to expand again very soon to, to three, sometimes four crews. 88 a year where they just really start adding stuff. And also 87 is the year of like where you have these, the C shows. I mean, 87 was the year where you have the C shows where you where they were testing out guys with different gimmicks and stuff, too. Warrior. You start to Dingo Warrior. Baby Bigelow. Yossi. Heel Bigelow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah. It was Baltimore Arena, March 1st, 1986. Slammy Awards were shown live on MTV. And then most of the rest of the show was shown on primetime a few weeks later. Yeah. And, of course, primetime being primetime. One of the matches didn't air until October. Of course. And the and as house shows went, a lot of the time in this era, if it was being taped only for TV, uh, you know, and not local sports network, the main event didn't air, which was Orndorff over Piper in a cage match. Yeah. All right. Uh, the tickets have been raised to a, doll- a dollar across the board in most cities, which theoretically has to do with having more name performers on an average card. I mean, one dollar is not that bad. Nobody's going to nobody's going to bitch about a buck. So, and, and I mean, it adds up. I mean, if you get, you do a show where you got, you know, 10,000 fans, that's $10,000 extra right there at the gate. Mm-hmm. So why not? All right. Speaking of the house shows, let's go to Toronto on November 1st at Maple Leaf Gardens. Featured the announced team of Gorilla Monsoon and Dr. Nicholas Warren Botwinkle. Who just started in the company. Not that long ago. Yes. Frenchie Martin over Lanny Poffo. A lot of these matches are on primetime on November 30th, 87. Uh, Jake the Snake over Sika. Uh, the new dream team of Dino Bravo and Grand Valentine over the Young Stallions. Jim Powers, Paul Roma. British Bulldogs over the Bolsheviks. Sensational Sherry retained the uh, women's title over Debbie Combs. King Harley Race defeated JYD. Duggan over Bob Orton Jr. and Paul Orndorff won a steel cage match over Ravishing Rick Rude. Yes. At this point, isn't it the World Wrestling Federation Ladies Championship? Um, or was that never actually an official name? I don't think it was ever an official name. It was always the women's title, as far as I remember, as far as official. Well, that's something. Yeah. Now, other promotions used like AWA was the ladies' title. And there's other ones that had the ladies' title, but... NWA was women's title, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. All right, Springfield, Illinois, on November 1st. We got another crew here. Drew 2,816, 31,380 on the gate. All right, Mike Sharp over Jerry Allen. Danny Spivey over Scott Casey. Hexa, uh, excuse me, the well, natural butchery. Yeah, well, so he's not Danny Spivey here. He's, he's healed Dan Spivey. Whatever. Uh, the natural Butch Reed over Superstar Billy Graham using Rose for leverage. Killer Khan over George Animal Steel by Countout. Honky Tonk over Macho by DQ in a main event which lasted 6 minutes 50 seconds. Ron Bass over SD Jones. Billy Jack over Danny Davis in a match with nothing but Stalin. 
Bam Bam over King Kong Bundy in four minutes, and Strike Force over the Islanders in shocking, shockingly the best match on the card. And then we got Chicago on the, the November first. This is the uh, second show for this crew. Uh, Drusic- and at this point, would it be the Horizon or the Pavilion? I think it's the Horizon. Once, pretty much all the time. Once they start running there, right? Uh, yes, it's the Horizon, Rosemont Horizon, and it's uh, six thousand twenty-five with an eighty-two thousand five ninety-three gate. I Marshall over Jerry Allen, all stalling. Rob Bass over St. Jones, three minutes terrible. Natural Butch Reed over Superstar Billy. So Graham will put everywhere until his injuries televised. Lots of heat due to the great ringside work from Slick and and Natural did a good job as well. Still slow motion, and Graham was pathetic. Jumping Jim Brunzel over Danny Davis by DQ. Davis messed up every move. One man gang over Billy Jack Haynes. Excuse me, destroy Billy Jack Haynes with a splash and mid range set their uh, gangs November 29th match in the building against Hogan. Honky Tonk over Savage by DQ. Macho worked very hard carrying this to a good match. Dan Spivey over Scott Casey. Killer Con over George Emma still by count out. Horrible. Bam Bam over Bundy in five minutes. Some good spots, no sustained action. And Strike Force over Islanders in a two and three fall match, which is a great match, but only went ten minutes for three falls, but all four weren't very hard. They returned three days after Starcade, which is in the USC Pavilion, with Hogan and Gang, Duggan and Race, Patera and Haynes against Demolition, Ondorf and Rude, and Dino against Beefcake. So yeah, three days after Starcade. Still six thousand twenty-five. Not that great. Not that great. All right, November 4th in New Haven drew 2,100 fans as Ron Bass with the draw Billy Jack Kings. Terrible. Sensational Sherry over Debbie Combs. Fair. Kim Terrible Killer Con by Count Out. Billy Jack hit Con with a chair at the rep bump. Jim Dixon, a 450 pound local wrestler, beat SD Jones in an awful match. The Bolsheviks bore us Zukov and slick Nikolai Volkov over the Barbie dolls, Jim Powers and Paul Roma, and the best match on the card with mostly sustained action. New Dream Team over uh, Superstar Billy Graham and Junk Food Dog and at their merciful five minutes with Valentine Penn Graham clean in the middle. Bruce the Barb over Hercules, good match. Bigelow over the natural when Slick's interference backfired. After match, they did a nice bit where Butch Reed threatened to punch Slick. Slick pulled out a roll of bills, handing Butch one after another until Butch calmed down. And the finale saw Honky Tonk go to double the count out with Jake the Snake with Jimmy Hart in the cage. Finish was bad because Honky was outside. Referee was counting. At a count of seven, Jake went out and the ref counted, continued eight, nine, and ten and ruled both counted out. Ugh. <laughs> That is terrible finish right there. Yeah, I got all of those WWF house show finishes. Ooh, that's bad. I mean, how can you do that and just get, and and expect the crowd to? I don't know. How can you do that? That's just bad. But anyway, all right. As we continue. Billy Jack suffered a scare when he collapsed after his match on November 6th at Nassau Coliseum. The diagnosis was a potassium deficiency and dehydration. He didn't miss any matches, but had to be carried by Kim Patera in their tag match over the weekend. Haynes is now loading up on the bananas. <laughs> well, he's got a lot of potassium and bananas. But is this really what happened, or is this the incident where he ODs or has the heart issue over the codeine or whatever it was? That is what it is. Okay. 
Yes. Which he talked about, what was it, uh, Current Affair was where he talked about that? Yeah. That's what it is, Bix. I forget, was it, was, did he overdose or was it a heart issue triggered by codeine? Um, I don't know, but that, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, it, that, this is the incident you're thinking of, so. Okay, let me pull up the current affair thing and just. It totally makes you embarrassed to say, yes, I am. No, not you. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to talk about current affair, <laughs> Super Sub Billy Graham, a lot of appearances on current affair. Yeah, um, oh, here we go. Here, here's Billy Jack talking about drugs after they show the, I don't remember which paper this is from, Drug Shame of Hulk headline. Come on, play. With us, he has never been charged with cocaine abuse. If Vince McMahon says, hey, that's man, not a charge. I want you bigger, you're going to take steroids to get bigger. If not, you're not going to have a job. Beautiful Billy scenery Jack in Oregon, Kane by wrestled the way. for the WWF from 86 to 88 and claims he became addicted to steroids and codeine, an addiction that almost killed him. I got to where I was taking 10, 12, 14 a day. I was totally hooked on codeine. And I had a bad reaction on a plane going from Detroit to Miami to wrestle there. And they had an emergency stop in North Carolina. I even know I woke up in the hospital and I was on intravenous and they said they had to either give me shock treatment or a pacemaker. So I took the shock treatment. I made it. I'm still alive today. Two days later, Vincent Mann phoned me at home and said, hey, if you don't make San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Oakland, you're not going to be with the World Wrestling Federation no more. Look at that. Okay, so if you remember the location right, it's not this incident. Okay. But there was something that happened uh, at the Coliseum. I mean, depending on when the other thing happened, I mean, if he were to be detoxing off of opiates, that could also cause dehydration. Yeah. But anyway, all right, the results of the Coliseum. Drew us out at $15,275. $160,000 gate. Gang. Gang over Hogan by DQ. Patera and Billy Jack over Demolition by Countout. Jake went to a draw with Bravo. Virgil over JYD. Or DBIC with a crutch. Brutus over uh, Hercules. Then cut his hair. Bigelow over Killer Khan. Bolsheviks over the Young Stallions. And French and Martin over SD Jones. Then we go to Houston on the 6th. As Sam Actually, Houston I'm curious. Because based on how Nassau would draw sometimes in the start, was do you, do you know if this is a nighttime show or a matinee? Um, I think it's nighttime. Okay. Because looking here, I mean, there, yeah, there's no, the only results or the six are this one and we're about to read now, Houston. So as far as I know, it's a matinee. There's no, I mean, as far as I know, it's a, it's a evening show. Okay, yeah, and I just pulled up the newspaper ad in Newsday. It is uh, Friday, November 6, 8 p.m. bell time. There you go. All right, Sam Houston Coliseum. Dan Spivey went to a no contest with Sam Houston. Scott Case over Barry Horowitz. Butcher Reed over Superstar Billy Graham. Harfound Dash over the Bulldogs. Don Morocco over Sika. Rip Root over Paul Hardorf. Ultimate Warrior over Rip Oliver. Hacksaw Jim Dunn over King Harley Race. Strike Force retained the tag titles, beating the Islanders. Coco Beware over Danny Davis. And Honky Tonk retained the IC title, being Savage by disqualification. Okay, 11 matches. Was uh, there a big Crockett show that week? In Houston? No. So why are they running 11 matches? Crockett's not running Houston here at this time. They're not running the Summit or anything? Okay. Mm-mm. So why are there 11 matches on the show? They had a, they wouldn't run, a, you know, fairly stacked cards in Houston. So. 
I guess for the Houston Wrestling TV show. I don't know. But was I don't think there was a separate Houston Wrestling TV show after Bosch retired, was there? I don't I don't know. We don't have it. Not he saying retired there wasn't in August. One. So not saying there wasn't one, but all right, Boston, Boston Garden in front of uh, 10,000. This is a matinee. That's Dino Bravo pin Brady Boone. Bolsters over the Stallions. Brutus over Valentine. Bill over Khan. Honky over Savage by Count on the great match. Demolition went to WQ with uh, Haynes Patera. Disappointing. Hercules over Ivan Putsky. Virgil, something for Ted DiBiase, was there but still on crutches. Pinning JYD. And Dave knows he guesses JYD's days as a big name are over. Strike Force over the Islanders in a normal top knot match. Dave was sold basically a good card. Next date, December 12th, with Honky and Savage in the rematch with Jimmy Hart in the cage. Then that night, the crew went to Philly at the Spectrum. Drew 6,800 there. Dino Bravo over Brady Boone. Hercules over JYD. Bolshevik over the Stallions. Good match. Finish messed up. Brutus over Virgil. Demolition over Pateran Haynes in a bad match. Strike Force went to WDQ with the Islanders in a bout with two referees in a great match. Bigelow, who's over great in Philly, since he's from nearby Asbury Park, over Khan by Power Slam, lots of stalling. And Honky over Savage by Count in a match where almost the same as their televised match. And in a surprise, Greg and Valentine beat Ivan Pusky with a 54 leg lock. And Ivan seemed pretty upset at the referee for calling for the bell. Uh oh. And the Hogan and the gang come in on the next show with uh, another different lineup. So, uh, yeah. I've seen that match. And, uh,. It does kind of end abruptly. I don't know if it's for time reasons or what. Or a commission referee going into business for himself. It's possible. Is this online at all? Uh, I, It used to be. The whole show used to be online. Okay. But uh, I don't know if that match in particular is online by itself. All right, St. Louis at night. Another crew drew 4,400. Scott Caser, Barry Horowitz, good opener. Sam Houston went to a draw with Bob Orton Jr. Pretty good. Butch Reed over Superstar Billy. Warrior over Rip Oliver. Terrible. Hogan over the gang. Typical Hulk gang match. Hart Foundation and Danny Davis over the British Bulldogs and Coco. Harley Race WQ with Jim Duggan. Rit Rude over Paul Orndorff and Andre interfered. After the match, Hogan did a run in as Orndorff Paul drove Rude. Then Andre swatted Orndorff and did the big sell job. And Hogan and Andre had a meltdown to set their tag match on December the 12th. So here's Andre here doing an angle at the house show in St. Louis. Interesting. Because because he's not, I mean, he's not, he hasn't wrestled since Mania 3. Nope. Yeah. And he's not wrestling again until Survivor Series. Then he doesn't wrestle again until main event. Well, uh, he wrestles in the tag match on the 12th here, if I'm not mistaken. He does? I'm looking now. Yeah, Andre and Rude over Hogan and Orndorff. Where? Andre, Andre pinned Orndorff with a headbutt. At the keel. And you know what's funny? They drew a lesser house than they did on this show. Hmm. They drew 4,300. 4, wow. <laughs> so, Andre on the card. First time he's wrestled in the in St. Louis as a heel. And it just 100 fans less than the card that he's not on wrestling. Yeah, because he hadn't actually wrestled anywhere as a heel other than the Saturday Night's Main Event in Mania. For the fine, I mean, there might have been one or two dates, but okay. Yeah. I found the I found the Spectrum show, the version that aired on Classics on Demand is on YouTube. Andre wrestles a lot, Bix, in December. Okay, I thought he wasn't well, back I, out I on say, the road I, I, until later. Well, I wouldn't say a lot. Uh, he wrestles 
All right, the St. Louis match is the first match he wrestles. Mm-hmm. Then, then he wrestles on the 27th in Landover, Hogan and Bigelow over Andre and Bundy. Then he wrestles in Richfield at the Richfield Coliseum, same, Hogan and Bigelow, Andre and Bundy. And that's it. So basically three matches in uh, December. And in January... Wrestling data has three, then seven in February. Yeah, he wrestles some. He wrestles some. Yeah, he wrestles some in January. Not much, but some. And then he's full time after the Mania hiatus. Yeah, full time. Yep. Yes. All right. So let's see this Valentine Putski finish. Over. Drops an elbow on that leg. Dick Graham. And just a padded figure four, right? Yep. He's got Dick credit George. The leg lock. Oh! Whoa! Past history dictates this might be all. Ring the bell. No! Wait a minute. Oh! Don't ring that bell. Hold it. Hold it. (laughs) Buzzkey was pissed. Let's see that again. (laughs) Also, he's doing this for a heel. Yeah. Past history dictates this might be all. Ring the bell. No! Wait a minute. He said no! Past history dictates this might be all. Ring the bell. No! Wait a minute. He said no! What in the world? Don't ring that bell. Hold it. Hold it. The ref got confused. I think the bell got confused. No, I think the the ref called it, I think. What's Bonnie doing in the ring? We clearly heard Putsky say no to the bell. Wait a minute. What are we doing? What happened? Mel Phillips here. I don't know. We'll have to find out from the ring announcer. Yeah, yeah, let's wait on Mel Phillips. He's busy uh, with other things. (laughs) We need to stress more. I mean, we did on the Patreon shows. What a terrible fucking ring announcer he was. Greg, the hammer. Valentine. Look at those empty seats there. Mm. I I mean, they drew a third of the house at the Spectrum, basically, at night. Collision on Prism. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so there you re- go. So that was just, yeah, it's a commi- it's what I thought. Commission just referee. Commission referee. Yeah. Fucking him for no reason. Yeah. Outstanding. <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful place uh, Pen- the Pennsylvania wrestling is, you know? Well, the Master Gregorian would do shit, too, because Gorilla would, I mean, he just would bury some of those referees. Billy Caputo. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to uh, television again. Axon Jim Duggan is being interviewed on TV by Craig DeGeorge. He's wearing Harley Race's crown and robe. Well, that's not going to end well. Let's go to the clip. I can just hear the pain in John McAdam watching this you know, <laughs> 36 years ago. This is where all men are created equal. 
people. We don't have no royalty. We don't have no kings at King Harley Race. I took your crown away from you. I took this fancy dad cape away from you. And I've got this Dubai for to make sure that I keep it away from you. What's this? with that two by four across his shoulders and again Harley Race oh no he's wide open Race delivers a blow to the midsection look at Heenan kicking over Hacksaw Jim Duggan down on the concrete floor oh no Race jumping off the platform again driving that two by four into the chest area driving it again into Hacksaw Jim Duggan Harley Race jamming that two by four into the midsection with all his might just trying to drive it right down through his throat. Harley Race! Get him out of there! Get that man out of there! Get him out of there! Yeah, that's another one. Get him out of there. And this feud is going to you know, really get going more and more. And then the slammies, we get the big show long brawl. Yes. And Duggan is still mostly Mid-South Duggan here. Yeah, this is Duggan's first big angle since he came back, too. Yep. All right, let's go to close this section out. Let's go to one of the local promos. This is the era of Hulk Hogan promos where... He could be geeked up on some of the, the craziest stuff he could get on because he's he's something else in this era on his promos. So uh, let's go to him and Bam Bam Bigelow talking up one of their big tag matches, and let's see how wild and crazy the Hulkster is here. And what market is this for? I don't remember. We'll hear it when we get, get to it. One way or another, everybody will have an opportunity to view this spectacular. There are going to be four or five band teams. There's going to be... Get this, 20 men, 10 tag teams in the tag oh, team elimination. Hulk Hogan, you're going to captain one. You've got Bam Bam Bigelow. You've got Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, superstar Billy Graham, Ken Patera on your team. Going against Don. So do we think this is a market where they're not running half shows? Like, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. So Survivor Series promo here. The Giant and Company. We are both on my own, brother. I may make a different kind of a stand, man. Describe Hogan's look here. Right, Hogan is wearing a bandana, but it's the way it's been done. It, it looks like it's been it was a shirt. Yes, and it was made into a bandana, and he has uh, the shirt's been cut, so uh, stri- strips of the shirt are hanging all over his face. He does this a lot in this particular era here. Yeah. For some reason, he thinks this is his style, and like I said, he is. Hyped up, to say the least. It is very proto. My name is Prince. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're trying to survive, there's a couple ways to go, brother. You either put your back against the wall and fight limb from limb until you're either dead or victorious, man. But since I'm not in this thing alone, I figured I'd confront, confer with the beast from the east, brother. The big man, Jack. And by popular consensus from Bam Bam Bigelow, the strongest man in the world, Ken Patera, and the rest of the brothers in this thing, 
We decided we're not running, man. We're not using speed. We're not going to outthink them, man. We're going to play their game. We're going to stand toe-to-toe with them, brother. And can you imagine what would happen if I turned this big man loose on all five of them? Oh, you could take it into the streets, oh. Bam Bam. Well, you know, Gene, it's one thing my father always told me. You live, you walk, and you survive in this world. And that's what we're going to do Thanksgiving, man. We're going to survive. Here's a guy, Hulk Hogan, that sure thinks like you do. Well, you know, we got Paul Horn up in there, too, yeah, brother. Mm-hmm. We're not really sure which way he's going, but we know he's a survivor. I can't wait to see Patera, the prophet Bam Bam Orndorff, and myself eat him alive. Oh, what a night it's going to be in the Survivor Series on Thanksgiving in suburban Cleveland. Don't miss it. Oh, and now we get the, uh, the crawl of cable systems in your local area. It's mainly Boston area, so I guess this is where it, it aired in Boston area. They just didn't have a Boston Garden House show promo there. Yeah. Well, it could be because the Garden show was the that night. Was- I don't know. That's weird. But anyway, Hogan, good God of mine. I mean, some of these promos are something else, man. I mean, his eyes. It's the same era as the one we've played before where he's going to. Russell Killer Khan at the Meadowlands, and all he talks about is how actually Ollie North was right to sell weapons to the Contras. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the... <sighs> and, and, and then it, and, and I don't know what it is about the fall of the year, because the next year later is when he starts wearing the war bonnet. In the fall. Also, wasn't the fall in 86 when this is where the power lies was? Yeah. Now, the... Of course, the WrestleMania 4 promo that is in the spring about slamming Andre through the fault line that runs beneath Trump Plaza and having to dog paddle with Donald Trump on his back to safety because, thank God, Donald Trump is a Hulkamaniac. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, there we are. Tampa Pipeline, brother. The World Wrestling Federation. All right, let's go to a very interesting uh, section here of international, as it's very, very light. <laughs> um, not a lot going on here during uh, this time period, especially in Japan, as uh, both companies are off tour. And uh, All Japan is running a, uh, a show at Korokin. Where I didn't put, I should have put the full results now. I will. I'll talk. I'll about go. Gra- I'll go grab them. I got them right now. Okay. So I'll uh, go ahead. And p- I got them, and I will plug them in as we talk right now. So let me get just a second here. All right. But anyway, uh, on November seventh at Corkin Hall, we have uh, the first ever meeting of Tanukunichiro and Hiroshi Wajima. They've been tag matches, but it's the first singles meeting. So, Tenru won, naturally, by count out. Uh, it was a big deal because at one time, about a decade ago, both were two of the leading stars in sumo wrestling. As sumo wrestlers, Wajima was ranked above Tenru. In fact, Wajima, a decade back, was one of the best of all the sumos and a multi-name Grand National. I mean, he was, a, he, was a, he was a Yokozuna, yeah. Which is why he was a national hero when he broke into pro wrestling in late 1986. 
Tenro was a big name sumo, but he was never allowed to break in the, the elite category in the business. But he, so he turned to pro wrestling instead. Oh yeah, Wajima was a Yokozuna. Absolutely. He was a major name in Japan. All right, so our results here, no uh, foreigners except for one because he's in the dojo at Corken Hall. We have uh, Harusunoda over Yoshinara Agawa in your opener. Toshak Kawada over Masakurisu. Mighty Inoue and Asao Takagi over Summon Nishi and Haruka Egan. Tiger Mask Masawa and Shinichi Nakano over John Tenta and Matoshi Okuma. Russia Kimura and Goroshirumi over Great Kabuki and Masafuchi. Jumbo Shiruta and Yoshikiyasu over Ashurahara and Sansa Fuyuki. Tenru of Wajima and Tiger Mask Masawa won a battle royale. Hmm. Now, let's see here. I want to make sure. Okay. This is the third to last match of Sonoda's career before he dies in, these, in his uh, plane crash. Oh, wow. He wrestles, he wrestles two more matches after this. Hmm. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, they, they, these promotions would do this. Uh, they would run... Um, they run these all native shows sometimes, you know, after a tour was over with and stuff like that, special shows. So, again, but Tim Wazma, I mean, that's a big time matchup for that time period. And, you know, I'm surprised they they ran it at Cork and not try to run in a bigger building. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's a Wajima singles match. That's probably why. It doesn't matter. He's still, he's still a name. Well, I mean, he's been there about a year at this point in time. So he's kind of, he's at that stage where he's about to start. Yeah. Going down a little bit. So. All right. Uh, speaking of foreigners, though, both Johnny Ace and the Terminator are being talked about on television in Japan as the younger brothers of Roar Animal. They want Terminator to be over at least at least since uh, he's teamed with Tom Zink in the uh, tag tournament. They bring both of them in and, and even do the one match where they all team together for the only time. The Laurinaitis brothers. So that's cool. So they got to have that moment. Yes. And that's it for Japan. New Japan's on tour, and uh, nobody else is really, jo- no Joshi stuff or anything. Well, so. I guess we should give the caveat, as we really should with any, basically anything until, like, 1992. No one online or anything has kept, tra- keep, has kept track or, or collected or anything holds all Japan women and JWP results. Like, I mean, yeah, not there. Yeah, but it, uh, if there was, it wasn't a big show. Let's put it that way. I don't know about that. Normally, because normally they have big show. Normally, uh, these results sites and the Observer would have uh, it would have big show stuff. I mean, not necessarily. Not they go like a year without any results on Cage Ranch in eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, but Dave has stuff in the Observer. Well, someone should take note of that and post it online. Well, there's there's other things too that that they they, they don't do. There's a lot of results in the torch that nobody has put on those results websites. It's only in the torches. Oh, I've noticed a lot of indie results. So, all right, let's go to England. All-Star Wrestling. Brian Dixon, he ran uh, Fairfield Hall and Croydon. Uh, we have a world lightweight title match as Flash Jordan, Mike Flash Jordan, uh, retained over Johnny Saint by referee stoppage. Tom Tyrone defeated Johnny South. Kung Fu Clive Myers went to a tunnel and draw with Mal Sanders. Neil Sands went to a tunnel and draw with Pete Roberts. Danny Collins beat Chick Cullen by disqualification. And Fit Finley went to a double DQ with Mark Rocco. 
That's a pretty stout-looking set of uh, wrestlers there. And this is a house show, too. This is not a TV taping. No. So, very, very strong show on paper there. Yep. Yep. A lot of great talent in England this era. Absolutely. Now let's go to Canada, to Stampede. Owen Hart suffered a leg injury on November 4th in Red Deer, Alberta. Still working through it. They're saying that Owen was injured by Muck and Singh. Now, this show two days later in Calgary drew 650 fans. It's pretty good. It says Titan was in with the Bulldogs and Bret Hart just two days later. And Owen was on the shelf with an injury, which David, that when he did this, said he's not sure if it was legit or not. Well, he, he did injury in quotes in the one I just read, which was uh, after that. The battle for the held up international tag titles with Bruce Hart and Brian Pillman and Muckasee and Jerry Morrow went to a 60-minute draw on November 6th. You have to give it. The, uh, you have to give uh, Muckin a lot of credit. So it isn't every every day you have 380 pound man can work 60 minute match, let alone a good one. The two squads will meet again on November 13th. Also on the card, Hiroshi Hase beat Jason Otero by disqualification 17 minutes when the Zodiac threw powder in Hase's face, and the two doubled up on Hase until Mr. Hito did a run in, and he would double up on as well, and they painted a red Z on Hito's face. Strangler Steve DeSalvo defeated Johnny Smith after a pile driver. Colonel Kirshner and Mr. Hito over the Zodiac and Viet Cong Express number two, who is still Shinsi Sasaki, but they believe Shinyashimoto's in Calgary, but not working yet. So he was there before he started working as Hashif Khan. How about that? It was an okay match, and then Phil LeFleur defeated Goldie Rogers in your opening match. All right. We got some clips as our week of TVs online. And it's the local TV, too, Bix, not the TSN version. Well, do we have any local promos or? Um, there's local prom insert, not insert promos from the talent, but t- saying where they're going to be at that week, that type of stuff. That's what I mean. Cause you don't get that on TSN. That's what I was saying. That's the one benefit of the syndicated TV over the TSN shows historically because the TSN shows have much more the match footage and everything. And TSN's in a delay. No, so right, right. Not... I mean now. I mean not then. TSN, yes, was on a three-month delay, but that doesn't really matter to us now. Not as, not a three-month delay. Wasn't it originally a three-month delay, though? I mean, maybe it started that way, but I just watched a show the other day that was basically on a three-week delay. Oh, okay. In 88? All right, so Ed Whalen. Ed Whalen always uh, loved interviewing Karachi Vice. Eh. And, and uh, one of the uh, members of Karachi Vice that he loved uh, hanging around with the most was their uh, valet at times, Miss Honey. So let's go to Ed Whalen and uh, Miss Honey. Miss Honey's wearing quite the dress on this show. So Ed Whalen's got his dander up. So Is Drago Zhivago uh, around in this era? No, Drago's not here at this okay. point. So let's go to the clip. The Dazzling Miss Honey. Don't worry about talking about Dazzling Miss Honey. She's like a toothpick. I'd rather talk to her than you. Shut up, Whalen. She's like a toothpick. Once you're done with it, you throw it oh, away. Oh, come, come on, come on. Get rid of it until you need a new one. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Okay, let me tell you something, Whalen. They've what finally a... <laughs> done it. They got me Boss. down to Montana. Yeah, I'm trying to. What a scene I... we have here. All right, let, let me let me give the rundown here. All right, so Ed Whalen, not in a suit. He's wearing some type of uh, pullover shirt. Purple. Purple-ish, wearing slacks. 
Uh, Muck and Singh is in a black uh, t-shirt wearing white pants. Champagne Jerry Morrow has the bottle of champagne in his hands wearing his uh, great tuxedo. Looking like he's about to do ring announcing at the Philadelphia Spectrum. <laughs> and Miss Honey is in a uh, like a, a cream-colored dress. And very 80s. I would say like a light peach more so. Yeah, she's got the big 80s hair. And uh, yeah, she's uh, showing off her cleavage. Yeah, and Ed, Ed Whalen is staring at her right now as he's holding the mic to muck and sing. Staring directly at her cleavage, actually. Yes. <laughs> Let's keep it going. He has several feet of buffer, but it is his eyes are going directly there. And he champagne... Champagne Jerry Morrow, where you have it paused, it has he's holding the bottle like he's worshiping it on the top rope. Yes, and Miss Hun- and Miss Honey's dress is very like s- Southern Belle ish too. Yes, uh, yeah, she's like she's ready to go to the, the cotillion. Yes, I'm going to Montana. Yeah, Great Falls and Cutbank. Right. Can you imagine that? I want to tell Clutch all bank. you people something. Maybe they'll get ready of there. Yeah, maybe they'll be lucky and I'll stay. Be a hell of a lot better than being up here, I'll tell you that. Let's tell you something, Waylon. Little Bruce Hart, the Montana mud hen, he wants to be the big hero. One of Stu Hart's 35 children, he had to be born there. Big Bruce Hart wants to be the hometown hero in Montana. Well, we're going to give you a little homecoming party that you're not going to like, Bruce Hart. The Champagne Man and I are going to go after you and tear you from limb to limb uh, right got, down you there. Got, you got a job to do tonight. No you got to face these guys Listen, tonight. Edwin, you stole Bruce and Pearlman for me and Maka Singh. We don't step in the ring with them. At least if we don't see the ambulance near to the door. The ambulance, yeah. that's hey, the door, sure. Well, you're pretty confident. I yeah. wanna, maybe there won't be enough left of Pillman and Hart tonight to drag down to Montana. They might have to bring right, them down enough. there in the ambulance. All right. You know what? Enough. Down there in Great Falls, please. It's going to be a wild night. Get all the women and children off the all streets. Right. Not for their safety. I just don't want to see their Do ugly you faces. shut up? <laughs> I just don't want to see their faces. Oh. <laughs> a bunch of claptrap. Very nice. Very, very nice. <laughs> well, he was talking to Miss Honey there as she was walking on. Very nice. Very, very nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about her ass. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see them titties, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like Greek butts, and I cannot lie. <laughs> All right, so we go from uh, Ed Whalen lusting over Miss Honey to Colonel Kirshner. Oh, we're not going to listen to uh, B.A. Double D. Not excuse me, B.A. Single D. Bad Company do a, a very stampy babyface promo. I'm sure. Why not? Let's listen to it. Because people need to understand what the we can't only play the good promos. We got and, Dim- and Diamond Jim Davies, of course, is there with them. Another member, of, he's like the Larry Nelson to uh, to the, uh, the Midnight Rockers to Bat Company at this point in time. Although he's not wearing their Bat Company bandana around his uh, hat here like he normally did, or the sunglasses. No, no. Yeah. But no, no Ed Whalen though, because uh, too, ah, too much of a sausage fest without his honey. <laughs> too much cock. <laughs> company that's brian pillman and bruce hart the men you're going to be seeing in our main event for the international tag team championships and i'll tell you in my book in the jungle gym book you guys are already the champions 
Well, it's pretty obvious, Jim. Everybody saw it on national TV the last time we took on these two bums. Bad Bruce pinned that toilet ball one, two, three, right in the middle. I don't even know why there's a reason. See, Brian's a better promo, but he's doing the stampede babyface pointing with everything. Yeah. That's what he, those listening can't see. And boy, is he tan here. Yes. It's November in the Calgary. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming there's a tanning vet involved here. Gotta be. Imagine why the belt's been held up, which brings up a point. You know, we're heading down to Montana next week, Wednesday. And, you know, one of the main reasons Bad Company has been successful was because we're like this. We stick together like glue. And when I hear my main man being insulted, he's a native Montanian, was born and raised in Great Falls. And I hear that toilet bowl mouthing off and that Jared Hall, Jerry Morrow, saying crap about Montana and the fine people down there. It just makes me want to puke. And I can't wait to get down there because bad Danorama is going to run wild in Montana. What? And I can't wait to get my hands on those geeks. That's if there's anything left of them after tonight. Okay. Thank you, Brian. And now Bruce Hart. We're going to do some toilet bowl flushing when we hit Montana. My one and only aim right now is to get rid of the Karachi Vice. Makam Singh, Jerry Moore, we got you. My aim right now is to get rid of the uh, Karachi Vice, huh? Bunch of hosers. <laughs> but, you, but, you know, I mean, he was born in Great Falls, Montana. Yes. You know, Hello. Brett oh, go ahead. wasn't born there. Brett but was when built Brett from there. was built from there when he worked in Georgia. Yes. And uh, Bruce was Helen's miracle baby because she was very pregnant with him when they had when her and Stu had that car accident in Montana mm-hmm. that caused her to have to get the reconstructive facial surgery. Yeah. That's why if you've ever heard the stories of, you know, Stu talking about how I mean you can see too in the pictures how when he met Helen she looked like Rita Hayworth. Uh like literally they had to change her facial structure. That's why she doesn't look like Rita Hayworth later on. Yeah, and she and Bruce was the second one. Yes. Behind Smith. Smith. Smith was Smith was the oldest. Bruce was the second oldest. Then there was Keith. So Keith basically had to be the responsible older brother. Yeah. And then you had Wayne and Dean and Ellie and Georgia and Brett and Allison and Ross and Diana and Owen. In the ring tonight, if there's anything left to you guys, we're going to save it for Montana and we're going to destroy the Karachi Vice. It's going down the toilet. You're going to see no more of that big, fat, obnoxious pig Muckham Singh. And that geek of a Jerry Morrow. Okay, you heard it. Bad company. Right. Ready for yeah. action. Real they quick. Those inter- yes. In the decade of the 50s, oh, Helen went only two years without having a baby. 1953 and 1959. Are the only calendar years where she does not give birth. But she gives birth in January 54 and January 60. So... She could have, she could have uh, given birth, but still that would have made a, you know, a thing. But yeah, so she, I mean, because Bruce was fifty, Keith fifty one, Wayne fifty two, Dean fifty four, Ellie fifty five, George fifty six, Brett fifty seven, Allison fifty eight, and then Ross sixty, Diana sixty three, Owen sixty five, and of course Smith was in forty eight. So. Hey. And, and also, a little known fact, uh, Stu was almost nine years older than Helen hmm. when they got together. I mean, well, he was always nine years older. Yeah, well, of course, but I'm saying. Uh-huh. International tag team belts around their waist where they belong. 
So there's the plug. And they did plug the WF show. Well, Stu's the local promoter. Yeah. Or to some degree, he is. Milk River. Yes. The, <laughs> the land of milk and honey. Miss Honey. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go to Colonel Kirshner, shall we? Uh, I bet he's on the drugs. <laughs> mm. Corporal Kirshner, you got involved. Oh, he's still Corporal here. Yeah, they haven't done the, the thing yet. So yeah, he's still Corporal Kirshner. And Jim. That fucker. <laughs> in tag team action in a very strange boat. It looked like the Zodiac didn't want... Why are you even saying... I mean, I know it's not really airing much outside the Canada. Why are you saying bout instead of match if you're Canadian? Oh, I, eh, very strange boat. <laughs> it's a boot. See, I, know, I never understood where a oot and a boot came from. <laughs> it, it's it, the, the default Canadian accent. It's oat, a boat, boat. It's oot not a boot. No one says a boot. It's a boat. Just like how sorry becomes sorry. <laughs> Which everyone, everyone who's watched Funny in the Grassy knows about sorry. Any part we should have it? a con run for this segment. I know. <laughs> Corporal Kirshner, you got involved in tag team action in a very strange boat. It looked like the Zodiac didn't want any part of anything. He didn't want part of anything. Every time he has a saw, go to tag out, what does he do? He runs. Typical people around here, they do a lot of running. Speaking of running, there's people running their mouth around here, Jim Davies. What's the, the ultimate bimbo? What's he called? Good he calls news, himself the news, ultimate Alan. warrior, Bad News Allen. Ultimate warrior. He's the ultimate moron. Hey, brother, run your mouth. Talk all the trash. I'm not a hard man to find. Just look, I'm right here. You're worried about signing papers. I wouldn't worry about contracts. I'd be worried about training and getting down because you got to face me. And I'm ready anytime, anywhere, any place. Talk to the dynamite kid about you. Every time you get a little bit of heat on you, man, seems like to back out and slide out of the picture. Brother, I'm all dressed up, and you got no place to go, except in the ring, in the combat zone, moccasins, bad news alley, run your mouth, talk all the trash you want. But one by one, you got to face me in a square circle, and maybe it's all my prison will be bouncing off your skull. Here's the man, and can you find enough body bags for these men? Body bags, yeah. See a silly can of paint. What are you doing? Spraying the uh, subway cars or something? What? No, baby. The body bag's waiting for you. I'm for real. I'm what it's about. Like I said, you got to face me. Because a nightmare from North Kakalaki has arrived and I'm waiting in here. That's Corporal Kirster. <laughs> He's looking for Muck and Singh. He's looking for Bad News <laughs> Allen. He's looking else. for anybody. Oh, my God. Owen Hart wearing uh, some of the greatest-looking Addison wash jeans you could get from 1987 there. But, uh, yeah, ooh, what, the drugs, the drugs, the drugs. <laughs> yeah, you're focusing on his eyes. Yeah. Him and Hogan have been hanging around together, I think, uh, for, for a little bit. Uh, been been uh, to Tampa lately? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Well, speaking of drugs, let's go to the Zodiac. Barry yes. Orton. And uh, yeah, we always try to uh, play a Zodiac promo if we can, if we're talking about the Zodiac. And we have a clip, which we do from our actual week. So that's always great. So let's go to uh, the Zodiac, shall we? In what I think is actually the first time we've played a Zodiac clip that we knew was from the actual week we were covering. Yeah. 
anticipated. Uh, Jason the Terrible and the Zodiac are reluctant to come into the ring. They won't talk to us anyhow. They're in a studio at the back of the building, so uh, <laughs> let's listen in for what it's worth. That's a psychedelic-ass studio. (laughs) So, yes, to describe how these promos look for everyone who has not seen them, and you should look them up on YouTube, um, there is a moving Starfield background. It's a wrestling backdrop from the the Sully days, basically. That's what it looks like. And they're in... Yeah, the opening. And they're like semi-translucent and maybe negative image colors. Yes. And they're looking down at us. Yeah, very wild. I wish to begin this discourse by stressing that I, almighty Zodiac, will ally no one who is unable to do his fair share by holding his own in the squared circle of ritualistic battle. I have much more important things to do with my precious time, such as directing my mindless monster, Jason the Terrible, to destroy our allies one by one. Mr. Hito, you old decaying worthless mummy, you too have suffered the same fate as Chris Benoit, and shall... Oof. Well, not yet. Explode with well. us eternally. You see, as I said I would do, I have visited Lady Luck and with my amorous charm seduced her, then bound and gagged her and hurled her into the void vacuum of a black hole. So now our adversaries must defeat us with their own skill, which is totally unobtainable. Hero Hussey! I believe your brain must be turning to rice, for even after the terror you have witnessed, you challenge the Prince of Darkness to yet another battle to avenge your master's fate. <laughs> well, my little grasshopper, your challenge will be granted, but you're a fool, my little yellow friend, for your yellow match will friend. place uh... on Friday the 13th. Because they're setting up the turn. Now, down on your knees. Down. Now, praise Luke, for he is extremely angry with you for not having already completed these simple tasks. Now, get out of my sight, you sicken me. Go, up with you. Yes, Friday the 13th. Luke's day of revenge, and Luke himself could make a secret appearance. Praise Luke! Um, no, Bombay! <laughs> Lou Williams? <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, that, that. That's something, all right. <laughs> Oof. And I mean, it's, it's, it's something else. I I know he had some issues. Barry Orton did, but even that, like, it is wild that this run didn't get him a job anywhere. I mean, it. I guess he does go back to WWF, but he's still just a touring job guy. 
Yeah, basically. He, he's, he's Barry O. He's just with nicer gear and steroids. <laughs> yeah. To mention, Diamond Timothy Flower was supposed to debut on November 6th, but wasn't there. Who knows? Got ribbed out of the territory? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he had been there right. before, though. Yeah. And he, he did he have a full-time there. run there in 84. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, by the way. I had not read previously the article Greg Oliver did about Terry Justice at Slam Wrestling last year. Had, had you seen this? No. You know how we always have our doubts about, like, the whole thing of Terry Justice being a wrestling coach? And well, and not being well. whether the legitimacy of that. Apparently, Tim Flowers was under his real name. I forget. He's from the Syracuse area and was on those wrestling teams and said Terry Justice was a good coach. Um, I, listen, I didn't say he wasn't a wrestling coach. My feeling was other other re, other things. Well, no, but I mean, they, people who knew Terry that we've talked to have were always skeptical about the legitimacy of him being like a, a wrestling coach. But apparently, no. So. Oh, I knew he was a coach because I mean, the way no, he but about whether it, or not it was, it was praying, praying on the young boys. We don't know that. That's what I was. That's my whole thing about it. So. I mean, the, the guy had issues, but... He definitely had issues. I know, but also I think that, like, when we've talked to people who, you know, were around then, they didn't know he... Act, like, he did wrestle in high school and stuff, though. That is true. Yeah, I knew that. I mean, I, I, ne I never doubted that, Vic. Okay. It was It was the way... What he was doing as coach is the one I've, I've always been kind of... Eh, about... Because we... I mean, good I Lord, mean, that happens. I don't know, though. But, but good Lord, that happens. I mean, it's a thing that happens, but we don't know. And just and just the way he, I don't know, his whole thing about Eddie, it just, it, the whole thing. Well, yeah, because it, it started when Eddie was a teenager, and he got weirdly possessive, mm -hmm. and then he was older than him, and yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I mean, he was in his early 30s when he died, right? So he was a good 10 plus years older. That's what, that, that, that right there, just, just, uh, yeah. All right. Also, I had no idea Tim Flowers was even from the East Coast. Yeah. String of Steve DeSalvo returned to Stampede after one day in AWA. <laughs> on Steve's one TV squash in Whitewater, Wisconsin on October 30th, Vern kept referring to him as Billy Jack Strong and he wore Indian outfits, so the plans were for him to play a Bayface powerhouse Indian team in Wahoo McDaniel. Dave was told Stampede's now go prime up for a big push if he would own hard over the North America title. He's also heard, also heard word of him being AWA bound. Which I think he does go back for a Vegas taping. Stampede may wind up with his best cast of heels in years with the Salvo, Jason, Zodiac, Muckensing, and the eventual return of Bad News Island. Dave thinks the Salvo is one of the best potential heels in this business, as he's got the muscular thickness of Don Morocco and is as arrogant and as condescending as a human being could possibly be. Too bad he can't work as well as Morocco could the same age. On his debut on October 24th against Biff Wellington, he leveled poor Biff with one of the stiffest clotheslines Dave had ever seen. Scary. Oh, I love me some Steve DeSalvo. Yes. I mean, was was he a good worker? Not really. Um, but my God, I mean, the guy, the guy was a hell of a promo and performer as Strangler Steve DeSalvo and Steve Strong in Montreal. Then he goes to Puerto Rico as, you know, satanic Steve Strong, Re, I mean, just reinvents himself and has a fantastic run down there in 89. 
And then, and then 1990, he ends up at the end of 1990, he ends up in damn uh, Crockett. I mean, Crockett, WCW, WCW as Minotaur. Yeah. But, and, and also in 87, in the summer, he had a run there in Florida under a mask with the Barbarian, also under a mask, as the Untouchables for a few weeks. Which Barbarian? Um... The Barbarian, Barbarian. Sioni. Yes. Bob Marion. Yes. Bob Marion, yes. Uh, and, he, and he had uh, a run of WWF tryouts in August, too. Yeah. Yeah, DeSalvo, I mean, it, DeSalvo was one of the uh, power team guys. He's a contemporary sting and warrior. And he's him, he's, Angela he's, Death Dave, him and Angela Death Dave Sheldon both went to Stampede. Yeah. In 86. He is a very solid heel promo at this time. Oh, great. And 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 then, you know, I'm right now in the babyface run in 88. And the fans are just in love with him as a babyface. Yeah. So. They also yeah, do a thing at one yeah. point where they tease he's going to go with Zodiac. That doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, very, very underrated guy, man. Could have been bigger starting business. But the problem was he was too sh- kind of short. Yes, for a big guy, so to speak. Yes, um, yeah. and yeah, he ended up being like one of the first internet wrestling memes on RSPW. Became this running joke. If like so, they didn't know who someone was. It was Steve DeSalvo, because when Diamond Stud first showed up on WCW TV, there were these people saying they thought he was Steve DeSalvo, which is funny because he had just been on WCW TV as the Minotaur. Yes. All right, um, as we continue, November 7th in Edmonton, saw Biff Linton beat Mr. Hito, feel the fleur of the Rip Rogers, or excuse me, Goldie Rogers, uh, Kirshner over Viet Cong Express number two, DeSalvo over Johnny Smith, Jason the Terrible over Hiroshi by disqualification, Owen Hart back in action over the Zodiac to keep North America title, and the rematch for the Inner's Tag Titles, Bad Company went to another six-minute draw with uh, Muck and Singer Jerry Morrow. And no star so, rating, so I'm guessing uh, Trent Walters was otherwise indisposed on this evening. Yeah, so you had two back-to-back nights with 60-minute draws. Mm-hmm. Great Gamma, who holds the British Coming Women Heavyweight title, has left for at least a month, supposedly for South, South Africa. That dude was a world traveler, man. I mean, he would be in Stampede, and then he'd be gone for a while and then come back. We're, we're working all over the place, and we just don't have results in none of his stuff, hardly. I mean, he was a hell of a worker, Gamma saying. Yes, he was. Yo, good heel promo, too. I mean, not even yep. a bad babyface promo either, but better as a heel. Um, and yeah, we're, you know, mainly made his home in Calgary, but, you know, got brought to WWF to be a draw in the Middle East. Um, On shows we don't have results for. Well, we don't really have results for any of those, yeah. Um, you know, worked a lot in, you know, Middle East, North Africa. And they're doing tours. 84, they are doing tours in the Middle East. I mean, they're guys that are not around, and the reason why they're not around is because they're in the Middle East on tour. Yeah, mainly 84, 85. Yeah. Although they get to meet in singles competition, they're pushing a few between Kirshner, Muck, and Singh. Singh's real name, Mike Shaw, is well known to arena fans, area fans, excuse me, as because he used it here for years before turning Muslim and getting a new name. Hey, Dave, no, no one, no, no one turns Muslim when they join Karachi Vice. They become they become born again Pakistanis. Well, he had turned Muslim as quotes too. I know, but that's not. It, but it was that they were I born know. again Pakistanis was the gimmick for Muck and Singh and Vulcan Singh and those guys. 
Anyway, in the few Kirshner claims seeing or saw as a draft dodger who escaped to Canada. It's funny as far that of the feud is Kirshner claims Shaw is a synonym for Shaw's real name, which he claims is Shawn Michaels. <laughs> okay. Sure. And the thing is, Kirshner have never worked with Shawn Michaels. No, but if you're going to do the fake name thing, what are you going to take from Mike Shaw other than Shawn Michaels? True. Hilarious. Actually, Rookie. wait, when did he leave WWF? Yeah, but they only worked one night. Uh, he, may, he might have been there, but they only worked one night, so... I know, that's what I'm saying, though. Maybe he was there for their infamous... Uh... So that was in May. May was there yeah. in May. But, I don't know. All right, um, rookie Stavros Galelis is out of action with broken ribs. Stavros Galelis? Yeah, he worked on TV. Not much, but he worked. Yeah. Dino Ventura, the Rock and Roll Rebels tag team, knows in Nova Scotia, more recently in Central States, wrestled here this spring on the, his real name of Gus Jameson. So there's a trivia question. Okay, yeah, I had no idea Dino Ventura was Gus Jameson. Yeah. All right, let's go to Mexico now, EMLL. The only show we have was a Real Mexico show on November 1st. Shamaco de Oro and Dick Angelo Jr. against Calamaco and Ray David. The Pegasos against Baby Richard and the Master. Aguila de Plata and Sombra Poblana against Commando Russo and Super Machina. Solar and Solar 2 and Super Astro. Women against Emilio Chavez Jr., Tony Arce and Volcano. And then the Infinales, Masacre, MSA Uno and Satanico against Umberbada, Jagger Estrada and Perata Morgan, Los Bucaneros. I'm sure that was a humdinger of a match. Stem Wander. Yep. And then we have a Juarez show. Which we don't talk about them a whole lot, but there's a big, big, big match in this show. Ignacio Municipal, Neri Santos, and Ciudad Juarez. We have Cobalto Fiti and Johnny Venega against Belo Armando and Cesar Sando. El Samurai and Serpiente Blanca against Sangre Fria and Vikingo. El Matematico and Matematico 2 against Flama Roja and Royal Imperial. Semifinal, this is an interesting match. A young Eddie Guerrero and Peruguayo. Against Drago and Cobarde. And then Mascara Contra Mascara, rookie star, defeated Cinta de Oro and took his mask. I forget. Is this Cinta de Oro any relation to current Cinta de Oro? I think so. Either relation or trained. There's there's a connection there. Okay, let's see. Uh, no family listed on original Cinta de Oro's uh, thing. So I guess... Okay, I'm trying to figure out what the best way to look him up is. I guess I'll look up Incognito. Is the Who quickest... is the Juarez guy in the Juarez Mystico? Mystico de Juarez, Incognito, um, you know, uh, Sin Cara Negros, Second Sin Cara, etc. Let's see. Okay, so now he's Santa de Oro. Uh, okay, yes. Sinta, original Santa de Oro is his, is his uh, trainer. Maestro, yes. Maestro, yes. Then we go to El Toreo, Costa Caminos Nacapan, on the first. Acero and Dorado against El Galeno and Rosario Ruiz. Naoki, Naoki Sano, Septiembre Negro Jr., and Yoshiro Sai against Diablo, Diablo Rojo, El Greco, and Mazambala Jr. Black Man, Uricon Ramirez Jr., and Nadu Tamba against Cesar Valentino, Locos Anacan, and Luis Mariscal. 
Los Brazos, El Brazo, Brazo de Oro, and Brazo de Plata. Uh, went up against Indio Rojo, Vianos 4 and 5. And then our main event, Connect, Rumbo, and Sangre Chicana. Went up against Dos Caras, Enrique Vera, and Viano Tercero. Hmm. So, uh, there you go, from El Torreo. All right, well, that is it for the first half of the show. It is now halftime. So after some great 1987 commercials, we've hit to the halftime seven of the show, where we'll talk about our Patreon show. Uh, we'll talk about uh, our streaming network friends. Hit the plugs, and then we'll come back and go to the territories. As we have Bob Backlund making an interesting interview for ICW. We got uh, Nick Goulis latching on the WOW. And we got uh, some interesting clips from Memphis. All that and more after the break. Universal Pictures' debut network's presentation of Breakfast Club is brought to you in part by Pillsbury Company, makers of great-tasting food for your family. believe it my gums are receding you know you can get cavities where you never knew you had teeth at the roots i am going to use listerman because the fluoride in listerman can penetrate the roots and help protect them all this and fresh breath too all of these cough syrups treat a cough with exactly the same ingredient only benelin has the powerful cough suppressant diphenhydramine recommended by doctors for over 30 years benelin our strength is your relief before you slip it over, before you pull it up, before you slide it on, before you dress, caress. Caress isn't soap. It's the body bar with bath oil. Caress can't dry your skin the way soap can. Gives you the soft you just can't get from soap. You'll feel smoother, softer, softer than anything that touches you. Before you dress, caress. When eating your Pepperidge Farm pizza, notice that the light, flaky croissant crust is baked in sections, so it's easy to share. <laughs> that is, if you had a mind to. This new French bread pizza, magnifique. No, such a spicy Italian sauce. Thick, crusty French bread. Sausage and pepperoni. Red watchers, North French. They know Italian. This Swiss is a living. Is living? The Breakfast Club with Ali Sheedy continues in a moment. Disney's Magic Kingdom on Ice, starring Sport Goopy and all your Disney friends, is coming to Pullman's Beasley Coliseum, live in person November 11th through the 15th. And Northtown Mall is proud to present Kids Discount Night, Thursday and Friday, November 12th and 13th at 7.30 p.m. All children under 12 will receive $1 off all tickets. Listen to the Apple KKPL 96 FM for details on how to win your tickets today. Come share this classic Disney tale with your family. See Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Kingdom on ice. What would it take to draw you into wraps today? Our large roast beef sandwich with all the trimmings? Our hot baked potato topped with cheese and broccoli? A Philly beef and cheese? Could we draw your attention to our BBC? Or our turkey bacon club and the drink? Got the picture? 
For pasta lovers, Racks is heaven. Now, along with everything else at Racks, the hot Mexican bar, the pasta bar, the all-new all-you-can-eat soup bar. Racks, fast food with style. Shopping at Rosar's means farm-fresh fruits and vegetables that taste as good as they look. The produce at Rosar's is so good, people can't stop talking about it. I love it here. They've got so many different kinds of apples. Rosar's produce? All I can say is fresh. The finest fruits and vegetables guaranteed fresh or double your money back. That's what you get when you shop at Rosar's. Because you're worth it. They don't just say fresh. They say guaranteed fresh. Fire up for a Sunday afternoon with KAYU. First, her dreams became a nightmare. Don't work no more. No one would help her, so she fought back. Farrah Fawcett in the burning bed. Next, a reporter also has nightmares. Well, you'll get you don't belong. A mysterious phone call links him to a series of murders. Remember, no one's safe. Russell in the mean season. A rise to suspense here on KAYU. All right, we're back. Hope you enjoyed all those great 1987 commercials. As we've to the halftime seven of the show, we'll begin to talk about Patreon, patreon.com slash twin sheets. Where, uh, yes, we've had our last uh, show, the part two of our look at Todd is God, the autobiography from Todd Gordon. Where on this version, we talked about the bowl saga. We talked about Todd and his band, the VCW Misfits, invading Discord Losers in New Jersey, and Todd's involvement with John Collins' Man Event Championship Wrestling. So, three very interesting topics. We have a lot of clips from shoot interviews, the Todd Gordon uh, invasion, and uh, all kinds of other things going on. Um, newsletter stuff in there, Todd's book, refuting internet, uh, newsletter stuff, basically the opposite version of it. Um, very, very strong show. Um, a lot of people have uh, given good feedback on that show and the series itself. So we definitely appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, so everybody go check all that stuff out. And, uh, next month, which we will begin recording, uh, the first show soon, well, the, we'll be recording the first part soon, first part of the show. Um, yeah, we are talking about the Ultimate Warrior run in WCW in 1998, 25 years ago. Hard to believe. And boy, what a wild and crazy trip that was. The One Warrior Nation tour. And uh, woo, some of the worst wrestling television you could ask for was during that time period. So you know we'll be playing clips and you know we'll be making fun of it. And just saw the insanity going on with Warrior and Hogan and Brutus Beefcake on his knees and Dave Boy Smith's career almost coming to an end because of the trap door and just so much going on in that small span of time that the Warrior was in WCW and uh, he's on yeah, it's gonna be less a, than three months. It's gonna be a train wreck, and that's great because we love talking about train wrecks. So uh, it should be a fun and different show from what we normally do. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think it'd be a cool, cool thing for everybody. So five dollars a month gets you access to that and all the shows that we've done are seven complete years of the Patreon, as we're in year eight now. So a lot of audio, a ton of it. So um, well worth that five dollars a month, and make you want to do it again. So uh, you do that, and you'll get access to everything you need for a month. 
dollar a month gets you access to the Discord and thanks in this segment. $25 lets you pick a show for the week. Now, we got some show picks coming up. So, um, if you want to get your show in, then uh, put down the $25 and tell us why you want to do the show. Uh, have another show in your mind just in case because it could be something that we've already done, which we've had that come up recently. Um, if you don't know, I mean, ask us yeah. and we'll tell you. Um, also, it could be a, a situation with the calendar where somebody else has picked the show for the for that week already. But but let us know. Yes, in the immediate, yeah, but, in the immediate version of that week. Yes. Well, yeah, for that week. So, I mean, so yeah, see what see if if it's doable, and if it's not doable, then you know have have other thoughts on your mind about what you might want us to talk about, and we'll try to make it happen for you. Because we want to make you happy. Um, you know, sometimes it could be a timeline thing where, you know, we've been doing the main show now for eight years plus. So this could be something that you just completely forgot about that we've done in the past and you just forgot that we talked about it. So, uh, yeah, just just get with Bix and follow the protocol on the Patreon website and we'll make sure that we can get your show to happen. And, of course, all the other rules we got – uh, 30-day rules in effect, 10-year rules in effect, you know, do all that stuff Wednesday to Tuesday on the time, on the current timeline we're in, and um, we should be able to get your show on the air. $50, I send it for a segment of the show. If you choose, 100 for the whole show. If you choose, you don't have to. And, yes, don't forget, we do have annual fees on that. And uh, like we mentioned last week, we have uh, Tim Ostrander who did $25 annual monthly fee. You save sixteen percent on that. Yeah, so, so he has um, twelve. He has twelve picks banked. He has the, twelve uh, picks. So yeah, he uh, he's gonna uh, he's like that team that uh that, that gets a lot of draft picks. You know, he's got a lot. He's got a lot of draft capital. He's got a lot of Patreon capital to play with. Yeah, so it is uh, two hundred fifty-two dollars that he's made. So and so, but if you do the the sixteen percent at the five dollar is fifty dollars and forty cents. So for the year, so you get to go on that. So patreon.com slash twenty sheets. Bix, who do I think this week is our new and/or returning patrons? All right, we'd like to thank T R B, and the the pause there was because it's T space R B. Thanks T R B. And then we've also got the returning Lance Garrison. Thanks, Lance. Anthony Marillo. Thanks, Anthony. Peter Fusco edited his membership to the <laughs> annual uh, $5 tier. Thanks, Pete. And uh, William Lanham is back. A familiar name in this section. So we thank you, William, for uh, being back with us. Yeah. And, we, and we thank all you patrons. The new patrons, first-timers the ones that have left and come back, the ones that stay with us throughout. We thank all of you for your patronage. And if you've le- if you've left us and had not come back yet, change that. Come back. Be with us. Because we've got a lot of exciting shows coming your way in the next few months at patreon.com slash between the sheets. All right, Bix. Let's go to uh, the streaming friends now. What, what is going on with IWTV and Fight TV this week? Well, let's see. Uh, I did watch The Death Of on IWTV. I'm not really sure what I think of it. 
other than well, I've seen Dylan act now, so I can cross that off the bucket list. Yeah, um, Dan Wilson, of course, a heavy creative part of that process. So we, I don't think he was actually in the credits, but he was on the commentary. <laughs> he was on commentary, but he was on commentary as the Rev, but like doing normal color co- commentary stuff, like be like, if I may interject. <laughs> type of stuff so yeah but he was um, involved so he had his fingerprints on it yes yes um it was well produced um well that's good i can't say i really get cruel well you know i like logan creed i'll tell you that i mean i, I mean logan creed himself i thought was a was a hell of a talent and cruel's different what about mads kruger <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, he's got a lot of old egos, doesn't he? In MLW, which, well, it's MLW, it doesn't count. <laughs> well, you're probably right. So, yes, I did watch that. Um, there is a new The Life of that's up, which I have not watched yet, with uh, Neil Diamond Cutter. Yes. Deathmatch wrestler following some of his international travels. But the big news this week coming on live stream uh, Monday at 8 Eastern. The premiere of the new season of Uncharted Territory coming from the H2O Wrestling Center in Williamstown, New Jersey. So this is season five in the third uh, location for Uncharted Territory, because the first three were part of Beyond Wrestling in Worcester before Wrestling Open was a thing. Season four was uh, Southeast First Uncharted Territory at the TWE Arena in uh, beautiful Red Bank, Tennessee. And now we have the uh, H2O version for Season 5. So, uh, announced for that main event is Alec Price defending the IWTV title against Matt Mikowski, which should be a hell of a match. Uh, Austin Luke defends the H2O title against Ryan Redfield. Adam Priest defending the Action Wrestling title against Lucky 13 in a battle of two uh, short, very jacked men. Uh, Marcus Mathers defending the ETU title against question marks x however you want to put it and the beginning of the deathmatch discovery gauntlet so i'm definitely curious to see how this differs from the previous uncharted territory seasons well it's something different i guess so uh i guess see how that goes yeah my understanding is it will not be deathmatch centric though despite what one might expect so that's that uh coming up on friday at 11 Eastern, uh, SOS Pro Wrestling has Overboard 2 uh, only match listed so far. I'm mentioning it because a friend of the show, Daniel Makabe in action, taking on Bambi Hall. So, always nice to see Dan doing his thing, since especially he's not doing it that often anymore. We share Bambi Hall in some 70s porn star. No, I'm Facebook friends with her, although I have no recollection of why I added her. It's a, it's a great 70s porn star name, Bambi Hall. If you say so. Uh, meanwhile... Not a, not a lot of uh, females named Bambi anymore. I mean, or when was the last time Barbie? Selena Majors was even Bambi? Well, I know, but that's what I, uh, I mean, Barbie. That's another name you don't hear no more. Other than the movie. And being, I wonder. I wonder if uh, there were more young girls, babies named Barbie this past year because of the movie. That it's going to make a I comeback. Mean, but you can just name name them Barbara and just call them Barbie, though. That's the thing. You really. That's what I'm saying. But you just didn't have Barbie. 
I know, but I'm just saying you just don't get that no more. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, also, again, you know, mentioning because it's a friend of a show, uh, Bloodstorm Pro, Eric's promotion, has a show on Saturday at 8 Eastern. Uh, doesn't say here, but I'm guessing from the H2O Wrestling Center. Uh, mainly some, you know, H2O and other Philly people in action on this one. But, you know, wanted to give Eric the plug. And last thing listed here for live streams, uh, TWE has The Return on Saturday at 8 Eastern. Uh, only thing listed on IWTV's site right now, Jada Newman taking on Brandon Kirk. Which, is that the same weekend Brandon's working action? Is that when the brewery show is? I guess. It makes sense if it is. I don't know for sure, but yeah, so that's... That's what's new on Notable on IWTV this week. If you're not already a subscriber, use code BTSPOD when you sign up, and uh, we will get a referral fee for each month you stay a, stay a paid subscriber. That's independentwrestling.tv, code BTSPOD. Now, meanwhile, on Fight TV, not that much going on this week, particularly on Fight Plus, at least with what's on the schedule. So I guess the main thing to single out is one of the iPay-per-views, which is New Japan Lone Star Shootout uh, 2023. On the 10th, so that is Friday at, says, 8 Eastern. Well, yeah, it's Central Time Zone, so I guess that makes sense. At the Curtis Caldwell Center in uh, Garland, Texas. For a show that features... Have you seen some of the stuff that's been announced for this at all? No. So, pretty interesting looking show. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defended the New Japan TV title against Speedball Mike Bailey. Mystico against... TJP, uh, Mayu, Mayu, Mayu Iwatani against Stephanie Facker, Choriano taking on the de- debuting uh, bad boy Joey Janela. Well, that makes at sense. At least uh, four and a half hoots. That makes sense. Yeah, they They'll did fit a whole, together. Yes, they did a video on the last show of Joey... Uh, throwing darts at a uh, board with Toriano's picture, so that should be that should be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Eddie Kingston defending the strong openweight title against Satoshi Kojima. Uh, Heiku Leo and Phantasmo defending the strong tag titles against the West Coast Wrecking Crew of Royce Isaacs and Jarrell Nelson. And in the main event, Shingo Takagi defending the Never Openweight Championship against Trent Beretta. So, fun-looking show there. And uh, please uh, use our referral, tinyurl.com slash btsfight, that's B-T-S-F-I-T-E, if you order the show, and we'll get some kind of referral free from it. So that's tinyurl.com slash btsfite, and you know you can use that for anything you get on Fight, whether subscriptions or iPay-per-views or whatever. That it? Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about something else. Today's episode of Between the Sheets is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network. You can use incognito mode, your internet provider, storing your browsing data, meantime, even selling it. But Private Internet Access can help. Private Internet Access encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet source provider and network administrator. And with servers in over 75 different countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content from around the world. 
private internet access comes to easy to use apps and browser extensions for all devices, a rock solid privacy policy, open source security, advanced customization settings, and it's just running the fastest VPN in the world by PC Mac. And if you sign up on private internet access right now, you take advantage of a special deal only for between the sheets listeners. We have three different packages we offer you guys. We got a straight monthly package at eleven ninety five a month. You can go yearly, which gets you down to three dollars thirty three cents a month for thirty nine ninety five a year. Or you can get three years plus four free months at a dollar ninety eight a month. Seventy nine dollars for the first three years, you live thereafter. An amazing, amazing deal. Why is that? Because it's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you take advantage of private internet access thirty day risk free challenge. Try it for thirty days, see if you like it. If not, just turn for a full refund. Hey, you get that, you ask? Well, you go to privateinternetaccess.com slash between the sheets and try the best damn VPN on the planet completely risk-free. All right, next week on Between the Sheets, we go back to the year 2000. And a pretty big show. As we'll talk about uh, an update on WCB's ownership situation. What's going on there? First, we have... Uh, the TV, Thunder, Nitro, uh, Tate tr- in London, England. So a different feel there. And all kinds of other crazy WCW stuff from 2000. Shinyashimoto gets fired from New Japan Pro Wrestling. We'll have that. And all the other uh, Japanese news. We got a uh, big hair match in Nuevo Laredo. Similar again, right there. Big pay-per-view in December. So we'll talk about that. We got uh, Scott Hall making his debut in ECW. And the good and the bad from that. As uh, well as Sabu win the NWA World Heavyweight title and more from the Indies. And in the World Wrestling Federation, we got uh, WrestleMania 17 tickets going on sale. We got WFE suing El Brimpo Zell. We got a feature on Dr. Joel Hackett. And the TV. So, uh, yeah, quite the uh, section there. So, uh, should be an interesting show next week on Between the Sheets. No guess because this is a pretty big show. So... We won't get started on the Patreon, so we're going to need the time. So, should be something next week on Between the Sheets. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Chrisona, K R I S Z E L N E R, show proper at BT Sheets Pod. Bix at David Bix. And uh, Bix, the big story of the week is uh, All E Wrestling. Uh, we record this segment here on November the 2nd, so Thursday. We had Dynamite on November the 1st, which was uh, definitely one of the least episodes of Dynamite ever to be on television. Um, and that, Overall, yes, although the Orange Cassidy-Claudio match was yes, better, than, was better was a, than the best match on most bad Dynamites. It was a hell of a fucking match that just got completely forgotten about because everything else on the show. Yes. I mean, and that's a sad thing. Um, and then... The day later, Ric Flair signs a two-year contract with All Elite Wrestling, basically as you know, a deal set up with his energy drink, Woo Energy Drink, and uh, apparently they are subsidizing it, a la Slim Jim and Randy Savage, according to uh, Fightful Select. So, All Elite Wrestling has definitely taken a change. Over the recent months. In various and, ways, especially creative and production. But And um, a lot of people are upset right now, Bix. And uh, the flair thing has really brought a lot of stuff to, to, the, to the head here. 
especially among the AEW female fan base. They're not they're not happy about this. So, um, what is your thoughts on uh, this situation here? I mean, given the overlap, I feel like you need to kind of almost you need to look to how much it seems like. I mean, granted, there's a lot less social media discussion in New Japan than there was because of all the GIF, you know, copyright strike bullshit. But it's not just that, like. I think people don't realize how much during the pandemic New Japan lost faith with its, at least in the West, with its female fans. Whether the yeah. Marty Skrull thing that didn't end up airing, the Will Ospreay be Priestley angle, it just, it, it did not come off like a company that knew that, like, part of their, you know, I guess, appeal would be I mean, they know they have a strong following with women, at least in Japan. So I don't know if it's the cultural thing or whatever, but I mean, this is the most universally vocal I've seen the fan base turn against them, I think, today. And not just not just the flair thing, just everything the last week or two. It's been a lot going on. Um, it's just a lot of people were into AEW because they were presenting an alternative to what they didn't like about WWE. And in ring and out. In ring and out. And now on TV and off. Yeah. And now you watch Dynamite every week. It is like you're watching Raw and SmackDown from 2018, 2019. And meanwhile WWE which is, you know, on a hot street right now, they're presenting a television show that's different from what they were doing in 2018 and 2019. It's obvious that what we've heard about Vincent Mann not being involved in creating anymore is def- is mostly definitely true because look at look at stuff that's going on in that promotion. I, I mean, you, like you when can that watch came TV. Out, I mean, look at, you know, what some of the sources were telling Sean Ross Sapp, like, you know, uh, Bronson Reed's back on TV and getting wins in a push in a title match against Walter. You know, the mid-card women are back, and there's more women. Oh, there's on women show. all over television now. Yeah. I mean, all over television. You know, Zia Lee, uh, Candice LeRae, Annie Hartwell, Nikki Cross is back on TV every week. You know, tag uh, champs all over all three shows. Chelsea and Piper Niven are defending the titles everywhere. I mean... Then you got Gargano and Champa or DIY. Kyrie Sane is now back officially, uh, not on not on TV yet, officially, but, not announced yeah. yet, but reported. Um, pretty much done, Dada. I mean, no, it's I'm saying been... it's a done deal, but WWE has not officially. Well, of course not. No, because they want to do it on their own terms, but it's it's there. And you just look at others. I mean, some of the other stuff they got going on. And it's just they're different from what they were, and AEW is different from what they were. It's like both promotions have done a, a 180, and it's just really weird to watch how this is all played out. And AEW's got some amazing talent, and they still put on some amazing wrestling matches. They're big. I mean, they're they're big shows, you know, which. It's just wrestling mainly are guaranteed to be great 
pretty much just about every time because they have to be because all it is is wrestling pretty much and it's just like they're be- become a prisoner to their own devices when it comes to the weekly television that it's really it's just really bad comedy and guys that should be made to look strong or not looking strong and lack of continuity on angles. Um, Will Nightingale getting a title shot less, less than a week after losing a number one contenders match. Well, the swerve hangman thing. All right. So swerve breaks in this man's house, um, cuts this, you know, vicious promo hangs his shirt over Adam Page's baby's crib. And on the next week on Dynamite, we first see Adam Page with the elite, you know, do, being all yay, you know, coming out for their match. It's like, and then Swerve shows up and like, and it's like a light bulb switch and Adam Page said, oh shit, I'm supposed to be fighting this guy. And then he went around and then it's just like, what? What? You know, and then we're doing another way it looks, another elite breakup angle again. Some kind of sort of dissension in the elite with the Bucks this time, probably going heel. Um, Paul White, God bless Paul White. You know, I mean, he did not he had, look like he should be wrestling. His leg just, oh, it, it just, he, he hadn't slept in, he hadn't slept in years and his leg just looked terrible. I mean, he, and now you're about to put this guy in a street fight. It's just, and, and just the overall booking of MJF where he's just become this just comedy character. And I, I mean, and let's say this, the live fans in the building, you know, love it and eat it up. The problem is they're not drawing those big, that big of a house. Well, <laughs> you know, their houses, I, their houses are dropping. Their TV but the houses are dropping to the degree they are in some markets because they're not doing local promotion or people are well, whatever the reason is. Doesn't matter. If no, actually, no, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying like when they actually do local promotion and scale the ticket prices correctly, well, you they're, mean drawing, bogos, they're drawing like four or five thousand people you mean, at a minimum. You mean bogos? Because they're doing heavy that now. as much as they hand. They're doing that heavy the, now, though. They're doing it. They're doing that heavy now, heavier than they were. Well, and also that's the other thing. It's become so well known that they're doing that that it's expected and people wait. Yeah, as well. It's just there's so much that could be done right. It's frustrating and when it, you it, watch it. Nothing against Jeff Jarrett. But someone else should be doing local media. Well, what, again, what was Jeff Jarrett supposed to come in and do? What was his job? Wasn't his job supposed to be working in live events with Raphael Morphy? How many live events have they run? You mean house shows? House shows. Two? House shows, they ran three or four, I think. Yeah. I thought they were going to start running them more regularly. What happened to that? Well, once Saturdays got occupied. but Yeah. Still... I mean, it's just. Yeah, so, it was, it, it, well, it was more. It was to book specifically, like the house show venues, right? That like specifically, he would know that scale of venue better. I think was part of the idea. It's frustrating to watch to watch their television and knowing what they have and what they could be doing, but they're not doing. They've lost their way. 
And also, like, they're not even doing stuff they used to do. Like, okay, so for example, the look, they've all they've been bad for a while with like transparency around injuries and stuff, but for example, the thing where they thought Moxley would be cleared to face Phoenix and he wasn't, so it was Orange Cassidy and all that, and then just not announcing it until the night of a couple years ago, they would have just said, if John Moxley is cleared, he will face Ray Phoenix. That's how they used to handle that kind of thing. They don't any do that anymore. And now, like, they're hyping towards that street fight on the Ontario, California show with, you know, uh, Don Callis' family against Jericho and company. And, like, they have Callis saying, oh, you need, a you know, a fourth partner to Jericho when... He's not wrestling, and he has only three wrestlers with him. Now, and that they, again, they just dance around the idea that Sammy Guevara is missing because he's hurt. And again, no one says anything about these people when they're hurt. We can't, they can't tell us that they're hurt. They don't exist at that yeah. time. Unless it's you're out of call. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> uh, that's so terrible. So fucking terrible. But and you know what's a shame, too? Like, and here's it. It's very WWE. The the Roderick Strong stuff was funny when it started, but they run it into the ground. Well, see, this is where I, you know I talked about last week with Tony Storm, where they better be careful. I mean, they're getting that. There. It's getting there, and they and they haven't even debuted Mariah May yet. Also, people were more into the idea that she was losing her mind than specifically like the Starlet thing. Yeah, it was like it was a symptom. It was not the whole character. Yeah, I mean, they got again. They got an amazing talent roster, and it's just I don't know. I don't. I just don't know. I don't understand it. You know, it's fr- it's frustrating. I mean, it's it's like the WWE back in those days when when AEW. I mean, AEW come along at a time when WWE was kind of like where AEW is at now, as far as what how they were doing their television, and they had all this great talent there, and it just they just weren't using them right. You know, I mean, it's just it's frustrating, and again. They're going to have full gear coming up, and it's probably going to be a hell of a fucking show because it's a pay-per-view. So at least at least, there, at least you get that. At least you get pay-per-views most of the time, pretty much all the time, with great wrestling action, and, and it's worth your money if you're putting money down to watch it. Yeah. I mean, MJF so, I mean, and Jay White, that. is, I'm sure, is going to be absolutely fantastic. Even though the finish of that match <laughs> just totally just kills any doubt that I mean, no, everybody knew what was going to happen anyway, but it just killed any doubt of what the finish is, you know. But you know what? Uh, and here, well, my bigger problem is with how little they did to put over that he pinned MJF. And then, yeah, then, then it's right into the comedy, you know, because that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, we don't talk about it. Like MJF is maybe the most protected wrestler in the history of that company. Basically, made look like a fucking goof. No, recently. I mean, I, I, but I mean, win loss wise and all that. Yeah, I mean, he does a clean fucking job straight to Jay White, and then it's just to the comedy and it, or to the angle and to, or whatever to, to, to the angle to the comedy to Matt Castor getting hit with the belt. Then all of a sudden, he's right back up, and then it's all built for the scissor spot. It's like that was the most important part of the whole thing was MJF scissoring the the, the acclaimed. 
that's what mattered the most. Not MJF getting pinned by Jay White. It's, is he going to scissor with the acclaimed? That's the problem. That is the problem. Now, who are you blaming for this MJF or the zombie princess? I mean, it's, it's the entire creative force. You know, it starts at the top. You know, I mean, it's it's because we know the wrestlers have a lot of input on their on their angles and what happens, but you also have people that are in creative that are supposed to be, you know, the main writers and Tony's the overseer. Yeah. So I mean, if we're gonna blame Vince McMahon for all the WWE bullshit, I mean, you gotta blame Tony for AEW's bullshit. Yeah, and and again, looking at full gear, it's like what's announced so far: MJFJ White. Uh, Hangman Adam Page worth Slick Strickland rematch. Orange Cassidy John Moxley rematch. You know another. You know Sting versus C- Team Sting versus Team Christian. You know special. Uh, Sheeta versus Tony Storm. Although Sheeta's not been looking <laughs> great lately. Sheeta and Tony Storm and their uh, you know pass the belt around deal because they're passing the belt around to each other. Yeah, I mean the first time I still don't get why it happened because you had Tony's champion. She'd have won the title from her to lose, to be the transitional champion to Soraya at Wembley, but Tony was who took the fall in the four-way at Wembley, so why did she even lose the title in the first place to Sheeta? And then it gets switched back to Sheeta on you know Dynamite 200, and now I guess it's getting switched back to Tony Storm. I just... I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean... It, there's there's going to be great wrestling on that show, absolutely. But watching the TV every week, it's just mm, not good. It's not good. And then there's also the that like we don't know yet what happened, but it seems like there's a chance Brian Danielson wrestled with a broken orbital bone. Here's another thing too with MJF. MJF beat Kenny Omega. Clean on television, and they barely talked about it on Dynamite. Did a shit rating too, but I mean, but t- barely talked about a not great rating. But the main event did add like a good hundred thousand viewers to what the show had been averaging up to that point. And then never even mentioned it hardly at all on Dynamite. No, didn't no didn't play it up as a big fucking deal. No video package. No video package. There weren't any video packages on Dynamite this week, which. You know they've been really they, the week before they did a lot of video packages. We didn't even, we didn't even have the Tony Storm, uh, you know, uh, picture in picture thing. Yeah. So maybe they give Giancarlo the week off to celebrate the release of the Vladimir documentary. And, oh, and that, that's another thing. You know that you want proof that Vince is gone. Two things this week that happened: the Vladimir documentary being released and fucking Lex Luger on the bump. <laughs> Lex Luger at in the studio. In yes, in Stanford. In Stanford. Which I mean Luger drew, has been drawing a paycheck from the company for years, but I get your point. Fist bumping with Johnny Gargano. <laughs> <laughs> have have you watched the Vladimir thing yet? I have not. I need to. I haven't I just haven't seen it yet. Um I, I mean I've, I've heard some great stuff about it. I mean, I'll say this. I I can see how part of it may may have just been getting lost in the shuffle and 
why they would have at least wanted to temporarily delay it, because it was originally earmarked for spring 2021. Then Giancarlo and a bunch of the other post-production people got laid off. And the thing is, though, the documentary that they started making in late 2019 is very different for a documentary than it turns into. Yeah. For obvious, but then also less obvious reasons. I mean, because it ends up getting into his mom, you know, surviving a broken hip in her 90s but needing to go into a nursing home in New York City in March 2020. Yeah. And dying a week later of COVID. And talking about, you know, the degree to which he was suicidal without his mom and live wrestling to keep him going. And I I can see at least why they would have waited until they had been touring again for a while to release it. Like, it probably would not have been a good idea to release that in, like, June 2021. When they hadn't even resumed touring yet. It probably would have been better to at least wait till later that year. Um, but, I mean, it's well done. Um, Giancarlo mysteriously not having the director credit, even though, as Mike Johnson noted, he was the director, is interesting. Yeah. But it, it's it's worth watching on the network or Peacock or whatever you got, depending on what country you're in. But, I mean, again... I mean, there's more. I mean, it's insane to think about this stuff happening now that Vince is gone. And how about Vince becoming basically, um, the you Saudi know, Arabia whisperer for Endeavor? Well, it's not just that. He's he is basically now a goodwill ambassador for for TKO. Kinda. He's a mascot. I mean, he's a fucking mascot. For TKO, Vince Man is now a mascot. Right, Amazing. He was, like, he was like the company representative to be there to watch uh, Fury and got it. Yeah, and he stay. I guess stay for the whole week because you know they're running Crown Jewel this week. Yes, but but I mean, he's a fucking mascot now. He has no no power basically. He's a fucking mascot. It's it's. <laughs> It's amazing to see this. And all them, all those years that Vince was the boss, the be, the the be all end all, and now look at him. And on top of everything else, with the value of his stock, the stock not going up or anything, and if anything going down a little bit. Let's see what happens to that combined stock in the spring when the uh, UFC antitrust trial happens. Well, here's the thing: Silver Lake is our, you know, getting further into trying to take it private. Well, that's again though. That's Endeavor. TKO is still going to be public. Yeah, but don't you think they'll probably take it private too? I don't think so. I no. And when we talked about this last week, they specifically said they would be keeping TKO public. Well, I mean, we'll see. But but I mean, it's, that, it's, I mean like there is a good. I mean, I'm curious to see because like the last time there was news about the case, um, the stock didn't tip. But like, there is a very real chance that this could like that the UFC is going to be on the hook. I mean, TKO is going to be on the hook for like hundreds of millions of dollars in damages and getting injunctive relief where the judge orders them to change their contracts and stuff. Yeah, UFC is. If uh, I thought that the WWE rights thing was going to be a problem, this this is going to be a much bigger deal than that. Yeah, and then if. Someone's going to try to launch a, a WWE antitrust suit 
I mean, about talent contracts, not the MLW type antitrust lawsuit. If assuming this goes the way it's looking, it's going to go. It's possible. You know, but with, so, with AEW around, though, that's going to be hard. Yeah, the UFC's you, got, now, the UFC's got fire, more uh, big players against them than they WWE don't. does. Yeah, but they're not what AEW is WWE bigs. They're not, but still, like, but Bellator spends real money. I mean, I know, but they but they're, they're perceived as they're perceived as being minor league. No, I agree with you, but in terms of like spending, which is the that's the thing when we're talking about contracts, we're talking about what the competitors are spending and all that. We're not talking about necessarily popularity. Like, it's the, the MLW case is not the same case as it would be if wrestlers were suing saying that WWE had monopsony power in terms of, uh, you know, the hiring market for pro wrestlers. Because that's what the UFC lawsuit is. It's not alleging they're a monopoly for MMA. It's that they are a monopsony for signing fighters. Well, the fighters, is well, the fi- the fighters are signing the contracts. They don't have to sign. <laughs> you know, nobody nobody has a gun to their head and and, uh, and saying this, this isn't the NFL, AFL yeah, well, and then the, of the sixties. Like they still, it's looking like they did a lot of shit they legally shouldn't and couldn't have got shouldn't have gotten away with that. Yeah, but this isn't the NFL, AFL of the sixties where you had guys staking out players in their hotel rooms and making them sign contracts. I mean, you, you don't have that going on here. Yeah, but remember. Remember, just because it's in a contract doesn't make it legal. No, but the guys ain't got to sign it. Read your contract before you sign it. Well, yes, but so I mean, but but anyway, I mean, it is funny to close this out that Vincent Mann has become what Ted Turner became after the uh, Time Warner merger. It just happened a lot quicker. It just happened a lot quicker. That in Ted, Ted still had real power though until. The AOL merger. Well, that's the really the end. But I mean, but it, he was. I mean, as we talked about in the Patreon show, I mean, he was becoming more of just figurehead. You know, he just that he's he's Ted Turner, and that's where we're at now, events. So, all right. On that note, let's get back to the rest of the show. All right, let's go to the territories, and we start with Savoldi's ICW. The latest chapter of Bob Backlund's apparent forthcoming return to pro wrestling aired this week on this group's television show. Backlund's on their interview basically acting like he was going to return to wrestling to feud with the Iron Sheik. Backlund also said he was having a wrestling tour of Japan upcoming. While no official announcement has been made in Japan, Dave has noticed the wrestling match in Japan all of a sudden throw, showing interest in Backlund once again. So perhaps he's going in early 1988. Which is interesting because he doesn't go back until well in the 88 when the UWF and towards like the end of the year. Yeah. So I don't know what he had going on here, what he was negotiating, but um, well, let's yeah, go. there's not even a shoot kick yet, so there's nothing yeah. resembling a new UWF. Yeah, so let's go to Bob Backlund here, and this is a different Bob Backlund promo than you're ever going to hear. Believe me. Okay. So let's I'm, go to the clip. I'm intrigued. And I, real quick, we should give the background. That, and this is on YouTube, on the Savoldi uh, YouTube channel. They had done, at some point in the weeks before this, it's Savoldi, so, you know, who kn- time and space don't really exist in the same way they do in actual wrestling promotions. 
But leading up to this, they did a thing where Bob was at home and being interviewed via satellite by Mario. And they showed an Iron Sheik promo from like a week or two earlier where uh, Sheik claimed that he was actually secretly working with Arnold Scotland to screw Bob Backlund. And Bob gets very angry and starts throwing things and his satellite feed gets cut off. So that that's what happened going into this. Wrestling fans, like I promised you last week, my special guest this week will be Bob Backlund. Mario Slotis. I take Bob out here, I'd mm -hmm. like to say one thing. I'd like to be the first to say it. Bob, I apologize for not... Mario Savoldi, I... Never apologize. <laughs> he just threw him out of the way, basically. Just rushes into frame. Yes. Apologize for not... Mario Savoldi, I... Don't apologize. Never apologize. You know, I spent a lot of time at night thinking of a way that I could bring this out, bring this to a head, convince all of you people that I'd never lied to you. Down deep in my heart, I knew something was fishy. I don't want any apologies, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to be able to convince you that I was telling you the truth. And now it's all out there. The Iron Sheik did me a favor. I'm mad inside and I'm happy on the outside. Because mm -hmm. Sheik, I wasn't going to get back into professional wrestling. You brought me out. You brought it back. And now I've got you. And I'm going to be after you. I'm going to be in Tokyo, Japan, possibly. I'm going to be in New York City. I'm going to be in Miami Beach. I'm going to be in Los Angeles, California, Denver, Colorado. Look in the trunk of your car. Look in the back seat when you shut the door at night. Look under the ring. I've got the biggest challenge of my life and I never give up I won't give up until I prove a point because I have a lot of things that I stand up for and that I believe in and I think most of you people know what I'm fighting for the value the things that we believe in and that I want to get across to a lot of people. There's some people that are very, very important to me and I know they're important to you. And I love being in your living rooms. I love being able to talk to you and I hated to be at home and to wonder how you were doing, especially you little ones out there, you boys and girls. I worry about you because there's got to be somebody out there that can be strong and not give in to the establishment. I know this is an uphill battle. I know I'm fighting somebody that's bigger than God. 
but I promise you, Sheik, I'm going to get you. I'm going to find you. And there's going to be a day when you're peeing off people. It's going to be rectified. We're going to prevail. We're going to come through this with shining colors. Paying somebody off will never get it done in my mind. Wow. <laughs> Who that the hell went, is agenting their promo? That promo went a lot of places, <laughs> I'm telling you. Wow. Bob Backlund threatening to be in the back, uh, back seat of Shiki's car and his trunk. Mm-hmm. And then just the, the I worry about you children. <laughs> it, it was definitely going in places, but it was a crazy, pro, a crazy promo. Maybe Mario Savoli was like secretly good at getting promos out of guys. Cause it, you know, we're you know, like a couple years later that all of a sudden Tony Atlas is one of the best promos in the business. Yeah. So who knows? And of course, this match never happens. No. <laughs> I don't know if Backlund's only in for one taping where he shot all this or what, but this is the first instance of ICW doing that, as far as I can remember. Um, they did actually do Rude Honky Tonk Man, as we've discovered. It just didn't air. They did it at the same taping where they hyped it in Staten Island. And yeah. it was available to watch on their uh, Ultimate Classic Wrestling Network. Yeah. So, yeah, just a crazy-ass damn promo. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I highly suggest people who have not seen it watch the uh, live via satellite thing, too. Where you just open yeah. it like, hey, Mario, how's the family? <laughs> yeah. At the same time, they're running a fictitious tournament to determine their new world champion. Oh, a fictitious tournament at ICW? <laughs> some of the fictitious matches they've talked about is a classic encounter between the mad Russian Davy G and Jimmy Snuka in Honolulu, which of course Snuka lost. It's easy to get names out and do jobs when you don't even have the matches <laughs> and get this one. The iron Sheik is destined to win the thing. And if you would back on Dave guesses, destroy bruiser Brody in Toronto. While Tony Atlas beat Adrian street in Detroit. At least when they do the tag title tournament in 90, they're using match videos of actual matches, even if they're from other promotions that have nothing to do with them. But here's the thing. Dave's surprised that they announced Brody being destroyed on television because Brody and Abdullah are working a few days for the group within the next week or so. <laughs> ICW, everybody? <laughs> what in the world? Okay. Well... If we're gonna make a national, natu national, a natural transgression from ICW, let's go to Rob Russell and the NWF. There's been a split here with Rob Russell and manager Damian Kane, no longer working here. Russell was involved with the promotion along with Mike Dano, not Mike Lano, but there was a split. Hmm. And yet somehow Rob Russell ends up with all the tapes of the TV. Shocking. Well, speak of Mario Savoldi. Apparently, boss Larry Holmes is going to do some TV announcer for this group on an Allentown cable station. Sure. 
Well, Larry, it was from Easton, Easton Assassin, so close mm-hmm. to Allentown. That would have been something, because Larry wasn't doing a whole lot of boxing in this era, so why not? But it didn't happen. So let's go to Powell. Dave McLean's Powell drew 850 fans to Marietta, Georgia on November the 1st. Dave tell you who drew the crowd, except none of the ads mentioning any names of the girls. Hmm. I vaguely remember this show being uh, pumped up on uh, Pedestino's block, and they brought in the Powell girls in there to to shield the show. So, you know, I guess it was the novelty of the the women's promotion and the local promotion on Pedestino's block that did it. Yeah, and then a few months later, uh, Glow is running house shows too. Because okay. Would um, Queen Kong been in Powell this time? I believe so. Tina Tina Moretti. Uh, what what wasn't she Nina in Powell? But yes, yeah, Nina. Yeah, so yeah, they. I remember them being in the uh, you know on that show. I mean, who was the the heel manager, the female heel manager? Jackie Stallone. No, wore sunglasses. I don't remember in Glow or Powell. Powell. I don't remember. But, yeah, she was on there. I mean, I, and of course, I think Bambi worked the show. So, yeah, 850 fans at the Cobb County Civic Center is pretty pretty good for a, a promotion which didn't advertise any names. Yeah. So. All right, now let's go to World Organization Wrestling. What a name. World Organization Wrestling based out in Pensacola, Florida, appears to be taking a turn for the better. The Batten Twins are heading in from Central States. Bob Holly is the organization's champion, with Mr. Olympia, Jerry Studs as leading contender. Others in the area are Bruce Boss Tan, Coquina, who Dave believes is the son of Sika, correct? Ken Tens, Pat Rose, Norrell Austin, along with Dennis Conn. I don't think he's that, Roman's brother, that, right? That's, that's right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's Officer. Uh, Pat Rose, Norval Austin, Loma Dennis Country, and Rosemary, the original Midnight Express in Alabama, and Marvelous Marcel Pringle. Dave's also heard they negotiate one of the top workers in the U.S., but nothing's official as of yet. That's very vague. Now, yes, this is the era where, where World Organization Wrestling is getting more name talent in there and becomes a better TV show. And, uh, of course, uh, our. Dearly departed friend Burt Prentice, Chris Love is the TV host, but Nick Gillis is also involved. Oh, real quick, uh, not off his son, uh, son of one of the non-wrestling. Uh, there you go. I knew there was something. I could, son of, I well, also that the non-wrestling sibling who he is the son of is a foa. Yeah, so I just couldn't remember off my head. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. That's why I'm doing this. All right, so Nick Gillis who had promoted in Alabama early in the year with Burt working with him as NASA has latched on to world organization wrestling. And, uh, this TV we have here was airing in the ghoulish market because this does not air on the, uh, Southern part of the WOW, uh, TV shows. So let's go to George Goulas and Nick Goulas as they talk about their plans for the future with their dear friend, Burt Prentice. 
No, it's not Burt Prentice, Bix. Who is that, then? Wait, I thought that was Burt. who's been promoted for over 46 years in and around this area, and also Tiny, known as Mike Collin. First promoted Nick Goose, I'll talk to you. Tiny. In the uh, coming weeks, coming months, and the new year of 88, a lot of talent be coming to this area in your city or town, all over Kentucky, Alabama, Tennessee, under wild. That's right, George. We got a lot of good talent lined up. We've got the Fargo brothers. The original man who did destroy it was Don Fargo. We got him and the two other Fargo brothers. They'll be coming here very soon. We got Pat Tanaka signed up. We got Paul Diamond and many other outstanding stars. We're going to bring the greatest wrestlers in the world right here in Nashville and all the surrounding country. And speaking of... All the surrounding country? Listen to George Goulas talk. If folks have never heard George Goulas talk, what a voice he has here. What an accent. Town coordinator and also... The public relations representative who brings in all the towns and all the town all over this area. And you've gone to many towns, Tiny, and been a town coordinator, also town coordinator. It keeps you busy. Especially what? going to the state of Florida to the state of Washington and trying to find talent such as Pat Tanaka, the Fargo's Big Bub, and many more. And I know that's not going to stop there. Oh, no, sir, George. We're going to go a lot further and we're going to get the best we can. And speaking about being a town coordinator, you've gone all over Tennessee, Alabama, and Kentucky. <laughs> lined up cities and towns for the coming year, it's going to be very busy. Yes, sir. We're looking forward to it very much. And if you want to have a wrestling match in your city or town, you can call promoter Nick Goulas or write him. Nick Goulas, 5036 Franklin Road, Nashville, Tennessee, 37220. We should note this is very obviously a sign held up to the camera. Yes. And not a a chiron of any kind. Yeah, exactly. This is not part of the show. Obvious. I mean, so obvious. Or call 833-4968. He'll be glad to send you all the information you need. Okay, so this must only be airing in Nashville, then, if they're not giving an area code. Yeah, I guess. And having these wrestlers, plus many more, under World Organization Wrestling. We'll see you next time for the best of pro wrestling. Is the best of pro wrestling just a catchphrase, or was that the name of the TV show? Uh, That was what they would say. Okay. Uh, something ain't right with those boys. <laughs> they would bring in Goulas. I mean, Goulas would come on the TV, the, the, the main TV show with Bert and, uh, and talks with him and stuff. But, I mean, it's interesting because he had been working with Jarrett doing spot show promoting for a while. And then I guess they had another falling out. And he's bringing in the talent here from WoW, which had just been in Memphis, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Like the bad, like bad company and, and Bubba and stuff like that. So it made sense for Bert to, I mean, Bert for, well, he's part of, part of too, for Goulas to line up, you know, line up with them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been watching more WOW lately, and I, I, I'm a fan. I mean, I like it. It's just different. It's di- it's different. Different people. Different presentation. Um, I just watched the show uh, this afternoon as we record this um, when my boy Egg got his first TV win. You know, breaking his long streak. And he's a baby face. And the other baby faces are in there celebrating with him. So he did the exact same gimmick in two different promotions over the course of a few months with the losing streak. Well, he brought it with him. Well, I forget. Did he get a win in UWF or... Uh, no. Okay. All right. As we continue, 
Um, let's go to Continental. Nature Boy Dallas returned, or at least on a part-time basis. He was at the tapings in Birmingham and did an interview, but didn't wrestle. He had a cage match against Doug Furness on November 13th in Knoxville, which would be the first TV tape had done in Knoxville. They also have a cage match on the same car with Tennessee stud Danny Davis and Wendell Cooley against Robert Fuller, Jimmy Golden, and Dutch Mantel. And Basically, what, what Bud Rose right. doing is he's working, the, he's working Knoxville shows. He's not working the rest of the territory. And this is around when the sale is starting to go through, right? There's stuff going on. Or there's at least talks. I forget exactly when. There's stuff going on. But, yeah, he's only working on Knoxville version of the, of the of the promotion basically all right the tv team in birmingham on the second saw uh, scott armstrong beat larry thunderbolt hamilton by disqualification so hamilton kept u.s junior title uh, dr tom and jonathan boyd to keep the alabama title S- southern boys steve armstrong and trace mothers won a made for tv squash over the spoilers paul barnett another job guy in a mask dutchman over tim reed who's the, if i'm not Second would uh, become one the stormtrooper or something like that. He's a, he was doing something. That would have been an uh, interesting episode of Frank's Place. <laughs> yeah, Timmy. Yes, uh, Venus Flytrap from uh, from uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. No, uh, I, no, but they actually have a job guy named Tim Reed at a time at the time when Frank's Place is on the air. I know, but also he's more famous for being Venus on uh, WKRP. Oh, uh, oh there's not a- actually an episode of Frank's place during our week. They were off for a week at the beginning of Sweeps. Larry Hamilton over Lee Pete. Dirty White Boy went to a double DQ with the bullet. Mike Golden and Jonathan Boyd over Mike Jackson and Gary Phelps. Winna Cooley and Danny Davis over Kevin Dillinger. Although it says Damon Dillinger. I don't know why. Alan, Mr. Alan Martin and Gary Long. Doug Furnace over Dutch Mantel by DQ. Cooley and Danny Davis went double the count against uh, Fuller and Golden, who are the kind of tag champions in the main event. And big gap in footage for 87, so we don't have any clips or anything. Bo has the stuff, it's just not online. Well, he doesn't have all of it. He has, He's to... got, he has procured more, I think, since the last time you talked to him. Okay, about that, yes. All right, Memphis. It appears right now that any negotiations for Jerry, Law- Jerry Jarrett to buy the AWA have fallen through. However, this group is still trying to work on getting their tapes on ESPN. How many times did he try to do that? Quite a bit in this era. So is this why Jeff is on TV, AWA TV, throughout the year? Yes. Okay. It would be fun to have the Memphis crew on ESPN, the whole, whole thing, but it didn't happen. Manny Fernandez won the international title for Billy Travis on November 2nd in Memphis, while Jimmy Jack Funk took the Big America title for Jeff Jarrett, the same car. They believe the finish saw Manny use the clothesline with a little elbow pad, while Funk, who tries to do a combo of Dory and Terry in his interviews, hit Jarrett with a cowbell at the referee bump to set up his pin. And remember, these guys are in via the open door policy because they're allegedly representing Jim Crockett promotions in the WWF. More about that here. They did a unique gimmick on that show as a 21-man war of the promotions battle royal took place. Suppose each group set wrestlers in and the way Law, Law and Jack can prove that Memphis has the best wrestler promotion. They said that Jimmy Jack Funk, yes, him, claiming to have beaten Hulk Hogan and Junkyard Doll while working for WWF, is representing WWF, AWA sent the Nasty Boys, and the Midnight Rockers, while the world-class, uh, world-class and the Rock and Roll PMs. And Manny Fernandez come from Crockett. Bobby Jaggers come from Crockett. 
had had to Guerrero come from Crockett. It's a bit of an interesting racket they're trying to go with here. Well, they had just been in these promotions, so they can claim that, you know, and get away with it. All right, the results of that card. Don Bass and Carl Fergie over Bad Company. You can tell they're on their way out. Nasty Boys over the Black Prince, Brick Us Brown, and Steve Kern. Manny won the international stuff from Billy Joe, or he's not Billy Joe yet, just Billy Travis. Rock and Roll Pianos over the Midnight Rockers by disqualification. Jimmy Jack over Jeff Jarrett to win the Mid America title. Bill Dundee over Hector Guerrero. Jerry Lawler over Bobby Jaggers by DQ, and Lawler won a Battle Royal. So, of course, Jerry Lawler wins the Battle of Promotions. Mm-hmm. To show that Memphis rests is stronger. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Big Bubba, who dropped outside for a week, has returned as a babyface and feuding with Brickhouse Brown and his commission. He's going to be going again soon. Not yeah. he's not here for long. Steve Kern wasn't mentioned on TV this week, nor was booked any upcoming shows, and in fact, working dates for the NBA in Florida. There's some reports there holding the Jerry Lawler Steve Kern feud on the back burner, and that Kern eventually returned, but who really knows? He's in and out. Basically, at this point yeah. in time, Nathaniel Whitlock or the Rat is another in the long list of managers to come in since the departure of Jimmy Hart. He's managing the Executioners. They 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 beat on number seven, but it looks like they won't be lasting too long. Nate the Rat, who was a uh, mud wrestling women in in the early eighties in Memphis bars, at the same time Andy Kaufman was wrestling women on uh, wrestling shows. Hmm. So how about that? The guy who wrestled as Dr. D or Dr. Diablo here a few weeks back as Hector Guerrero's tap partner mass is now called Corporal Anderson. And this is uh, Carl Stiles, right? Carl Stiles. In a tag match where Law and Dundee regained the AWA tag titles, regained in quotes, uh, Hector threw the hair removal potion and Dundee ducked and it went into Dr. D's eyes. And now, and now as Anderson, he claims he's lost a complete sight in one eye. Oh, I wonder why. Anderson will probably start wrestling as a babyface in a few weeks if you would Guerrero and Fernandez. He most recently worked in Deep South as CW Styles, and is the guy who did the angle where the heels put out his glass eye and threw it on the mat. All right, well, here's the interesting thing about this interview. It take they it's him and Randy Hales talks to him in his home, but they air it as an inset promo during an actual match on television. This is not something Memphis normally would do. Hmm. So let's go let's go to that clip, shall we? Squeeze in. I'd like for you to see the former partner of Hector Guerrero who got blinded by this Hector's uh, hair uh, remover. Let's take a look at it and listen to what he has to say. We, uh, I'm sure everybody has seen the situation that took place with Dr. D in Memphis, Tennessee at Championship Wrestling Television Studios. We wanted to come by and talk to Dr. D. I want to introduce you to him. He is Carl Anderson. He had never before wrestled in the championship wrestling area. He came in, as you know, with Hector Guerrero. And the situation uh, that took place as Hector tried uh, with his Hector hair magic to uh, do some damage on Bill Dundee, it backfired. And uh, you have received a very, very severe injury on your uh, right eye. That's correct. Uh, Hector, he thought that it was, you know, very funny taking his little hair tonic and uh, putting it on somebody's head and removing their hair, which, you know, it's very potent stuff. 
uh, you know, remove her, it had some kind of acid or something in it. I don't know what it, what it, what it had in it. I told him that it had no place in wrestling. We was out there to win, was out there to, you know, get get the job done in the right way. Competition? Yeah, we wasn't out there to, you know, remove her. That's a barber's job. Right. But it was a situation that took place, and you had told me when we were, were talking before we did this interview that you had even told him when you were telling him that it didn't have any place in wrestling, you had told him that it was a possibility that it got in someone's eye, it could blind them, and it ended up blinding you. That's correct. I had, uh, I lost the right eye on account of this. I had no vision. Uh, Hector has not been around. He had a check. He hadn't called. He don't care about nothing. He, all he wants is, is fun. All he wants is to be out with his friends. Well, I'll tell you what. I've, I, I got a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of my family and everybody was aggravated that I teamed up with him because they know or had an idea what kind of, you know, what kind of person he was. I didn't listen, so I did, you know, I received this injury. And it's, it's not a pretty injury. And it ain't nothing that uh, is, you know, that you can throw off lightly. I haven't got no vision in this right eye. I'll never, I'll never have no vision in this right eye. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I just can't see out of it. He's getting lost. Did he just say, I've never had vision in this right eye? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, the promo's they're going letting to, him go way too long. Yeah, the promo's going too long. He's way too green for this. Yeah. And it's all on the, all, all on the count of him. It's a bad situation because now he's in a situation where he puts you out of the way you made a living. And uh, it's a bad situation. And we want to appreciate you uh, coming by. Or we appreciate you having us come by and uh, talk to you. Thank you very much. Andy's uh, appreciate here. you coming by and checking. Thank you. It's more than he done. Corporal Anderson. <laughs> it says his name's Carl Anderson. Corporal Anderson. Where did he get that from? What what are the odds, by the way, that of the three most notable uh, wrestlers who are missing an eye, uh, two of them are named Carl? <laughs> yeah. What's Parada Morgan's real name? His real name isn't Carl somehow, is it? <laughs> I don't think so, Bix. But Carl Styles, Carl Will, will that? Is there anyone else? Who else is there besides those three? Is there anyone else of note? There's got to be oh, others. There you heard it. Think of it. But anyway, all right, so there's that. Yeah, that, that didn't go well. The Midnight Rockers of Rock and Roll RPMs is, feuding, is interesting since Marty Gennetti and Tommy Lane were once partners in Central States or years ago as the Uptown Boys. Memphis usually touches on stuff like this. It's surprising they haven't done it yet. Also, well, because he was Tommy Rogers in such states. Also, regarding the Rockers, just by watching them on TV, it looks like they are pretty uninterested in working here and just want a paycheck. Oh, and real quick before we play this clip, uh, Hector was wearing his Lasertron uh, tights. Hmm. So, all right, so let's see how interested the Rockers are here in Memphis, shall we? As a matter of fact. That's right, it doesn't take long. You know something? It seems like every time we get in a battle for our books. We have to put something up. Last week, we had $1,000. Yep. And these two idiots jump us from behind. And by the time I got back, we had $300. Tommy Lane looking uncharacteristically buff. Midnight Rockers, we're sick and tired My of your situation. Now what have we got to do now? Huh? This time we ain't bringing no money out. 
because I got something here worth over a thousand dollars, and when I kicked the old lady out on her can, that I kept Lance Russell. Look at that, boy. Beautiful, beautiful. That's right. You ain't gonna get no money, boys. We put this right here up, and you ain't gonna walk out of without it, I guess. It's a ring. Oh, they say. Diamonds are a man's best friend. They used to be a dog, but they found out dogs were nothing good for me, nothing but kicking around. Just like we're going to do the Midnight Rockers. And right there, get a good look at it. Oh, here they come. Don Michael, Marty, Midnight Rockers out here, Sean and Marty. Uh, this is what they're putting up against the titles. Let's see this boy. Let's see if this is something they stop to Pretty good looking ring, isn't it? Yeah, it looks real good. Where's our buddy Brian Collins? He knows all about this stuff. We like to call him out here and take a look at this. Yeah, well, we don't want to call these two guys liars or anything. You got this toothless grinning guy over here and this poor punk over here. It's not the. It's not that we don't believe you or anything, but we want to have our jewelry here check this out. They got their shoot their own shoulder. How you doing? Have they been doing a story with the ring, or do they just happen to have a jewelry for no reason? <laughs> they just happened to be there. <laughs> what a surprise. Okay. To have you out here, and uh, you are—you're going to check this one to be sure. You're—you're—you're you're, you're qualified to, yes, to be able yes, to give sir. us an opinion with Carol Jewelers. I'm quite qualified to tell you if it's real or not. Okay, well, take real to me, though. Yeah, it's a pretty good-looking ring, as a matter of fact. Brian's got his little thingamabob up at his eye, whatever it is. He's checking to be sure. Yeah, the rocker said it's not that we don't believe you, but we don't believe you. So take a look at this and let. Is he going to try to cut the diamond in the back of Mercury Marquis, too? <laughs> Think I'm a bob. See, real. Huh? Definitely real. At least worth at least $1,000. It is? All right. Just what they said, it is worth. There's the official qualified opinion, Brian. Thank you very much for it, Brian, with See, the apparel jewelers. And we're not back jumpers and backstabbers and liars like you two are. I'll tell you what, old Lane here can't keep his wife at home happy or whatever that woman is he's got there. He's got a got a ring there on his hand. I'll tell you what, Marty's, Marty's not married and I'm not married. I just want to know what we're going to do with a thousand-dollar ring. Well, it was your stipulation that they put up something worth a thousand bucks. He's got a lady's ring. ring he, well, if they beat you, you lose the, the ring. That's, that's what the stipulation is. You mean it's just that easy? We beat them, we get the ring? Well, that's exactly what it is. They beat you, they get the title. Okay. And we can do what we want with the ring? Certainly you suggest why don't we just if give it out to somebody at the match. How are we going to determine who to give it to? How we, you think the way land in the You mean if you win it, you're just going to give it away? You heard the man say it was worth a thousand bucks. That's right, but we'll give it to somebody there at the matches. That's what we'll do, right? That sounds right. I'll tell you what, the people of the South have been good to the Rockers. We gave them a little payoff last yeah, time of these sure poor chunks money. money. What are you going to do, just walk up and give it to the first girl you see if you win it? If you win it from them, that's uh, well, in the program, I, I don't want to tell you what to do. If you can win it, I don't want to tell you what to do. But there's a lucky number in the program, and everybody who has a program has a lucky right, number. That'll work right there. That'll work right there. You know, the Rockers, we've been beating these poor guys senseless all over the South, taking their money, taking their belts. And I tell you what, I'm not going to mind taking your old lady's ring and giving it to some good-looking babe at the Matthews right I tell you what, everybody bring their programs, buy their programs. 
The Rockers are going to draw a number, and whatever, whoever's number gets comes up gets a $1,000 ring for the Midnight Rockers. Well, it's genuinely that, and it'll be an interesting match, to say the least. If the Rockers end up winning it, they get the ring and keep the titles. They've said they're going to give it out to somebody, a selection of the lucky number out of the program. And, of course, if the That's RPMs right. win it, they, they get the Southern freeloaders. keep the It's right. like everybody else that supports them. So freeloaders all get together, and they try to get something somebody else has got. Well, let me tell you something, boy. You ain't going to get it, and you ain't going to give it to no scuzzball. Let me tell you that right now. All right, all right, all right. Let's well, not let me have just any say fun. one other thing, Lance Russell. Midnight Rockers, pack a lunch, because we may be there an awful long time, and you might get a little hungry. Okay, Southern Belt will be at stake against the uh, $1,000 ring. Talking in the ring, baby. Okay, Marty Jannetty, Shawn Michaels, the current Southern Tank champs, Tommy Lane, Mike Davis, the RPM. It's your ring That's against right, the Tigers. ring, and our ring ain't going nowhere. It's going to stay right where it's at. And all you freeloaders, all you scuzz balls, you just come on out there, we're going to beat their brains out. Okay, we'll find that out. That's exactly what the battle is going to be about. I'm telling you, Dave, it, it gets more interesting all the time. Let's take our time out now. We'll be back. Got an eight-man match coming up in just a moment. Yeah, they kind of look disinterested in a way. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say hungover, but that too. So I forget. Right. How did they get fired here? Continental is signing the autograph. We're lesbians, or I'm a dyke, or whatever the hell it was. Right? How did they get fired here? I don't think they actually got fired in Memphis. You think they just left? Okay, and they just left going back to AWA. Yeah. Well, Pat and Uncle Paul Diamond are still around as baby faces here. Dave's heard some conflicting stories about whether they're going to be going or staying. It's not even funny. Well, let's go to a clip on them, shall we? Coming out right now, bad company, Paul Diamond, Pat the knockoff. Uh, okay. How long have they been bad company anyway? As in, not very long, name. because they were prime time when they first got together as a heel team with Bruno in the early, early in the year. Mm-hmm. You forget that. They were prime time. So they, I think they just become bad company not too long before this. Now in Memphis, is it B A Double D bad company yet, or is that only once they go to the A W A? Well, I say W A with D D P. Yeah. Right, because it's D D P's idea, I guess, to spell it that way to get around whatever issue uh, Bruce had. Well, or it just makes it B A Double D. Well, and, also, it, well, and it, yeah, and it makes it that D D P can do the thing where he says B A Double D bad company. A lot of people, and uh, they've been asking us just what prompted our actions last week. Well, and um, they're talking. Course, about- hey, he really is uh, from uh, Thunder Bay, Ontario, eh? Uh, yeah. Uh, YouTube doing. How about your falling out with the commission and all? And- exactly right now. If we recall the events of last week, first of all, there's Fergie and Bass who ran their mouths, right? They wanted Dundee and Lawler so bad they couldn't wait till they got in the ring. Once we got in there. We couldn't beg them to tag in, first of all. Well, you guys were in there all the time. Right. So we stayed in there the whole match. Finally, when he got a chance, Fergie pulled out a chain. And what happens? He knocks out my partner. And then Prince, that lowlife, right? He blames us for losing. Now, Prince, I know we had a good thing going. And when the commission first came up, it sounded like a great idea. But as things wore on, 
things started to go down. He did nothing about it. Prince, let's face it, you're just a lowlife. You never did anything for us. You know, all you the big promises he made there never you go. came through. You know, we uh, were the champions and we earned it. Yeah. Now, once we lost our championship, he couldn't provide the necessary matches for us to get him back. But he still collected his money. Well, we're not going to go for that. And of course, by any means, we're not going to go for anybody pushing bad company around. So we had to take care of things, you know. And uh, Prince, you didn't do it for us. You didn't do it for anybody else in that commission. And I know everybody's mad at you, not just us. So, yeah, but when you... right now. Without me, you nothing but second-rate preliminary bombs. And without me, you're going right back to being curtain jerkers once again. Now, let me tell you something right now. Uh, it says the man who is out here with King Carl Fergie. God love Brick. I know. Now, you two scrubs was the weak link in the commission. I didn't get your big matches because you had a losing streak this long. I can't work miracles, suckers. So you think the commission is on solid ground, right? That's right. Let me tell you something right now. We so solid, baby, they call us the Rock of Gibraltar. Because ain't nothing, ain't nothing gonna put us down. We gonna hold up together, and you two bombs definitely ain't gonna make no difference. That's right, gonna freak the whole well, You know, everybody knows, Prince, that you were the cause of us losing the match last week. Well, if you think the commission is so solid, we got a little surprise. We got a buddy of ours that just might take care of you next time we meet your two buns. Well, you guys have got match coming up in there, and of course the problem with that is you always got three over here. That Phil Higgerson? That's Bubba. Oh, okay. Another little defection from the commission. This ain't nothing but decision on your part, Lance Russell. You calls and stuff like this. You've been putting balls in there, What's going on? I tell, I tell, talk about all the smoke you've been blowing up people's rear ends. Yeah. Let me tell you, shallow promises, promises about titles. What do you mean? Let me tell you, there, you know what I mean, chump. You know what's the matter with me. You promises the world, you promises all this stuff. All that is is like dangling a piece of poison meat in front of a starving dog and just waiting for him to take a bite, brother. Let me tell you something. You made all these promises. Promises titles, promises this, and I worked with you. I wrestled with you, brother. I know your tactics. I know how you win. What do you mean, man? I don't need Movies, commercials, all this garbage. It's nothing but a bunch of trash and lies, brother. Rance, I know bad company can take care of these two bums. And speaking of the Rock of Gibraltar, Bobby, you gotta be facing this right there Monday night because he's gonna be right in our corner. We gotta finish you up. Hey, hey, next, next opportunity I gather that.
Mr. Bubba will be in the corner with bad company when they go against Bass and Fergie. So we're going to have to wait and leave and see how that one turns out. And it looks like it's not all as good as you think it is. Hey, let me tell you something, Lance Russell. This don't mean nothing because them ungrateful losers, you're going to rule the day. You ever left my camp because you suckers are finished. Okay. Well... We're going to take time out right now. We'll be back with more action in just a moment. And Bob, I'm back up here. I'm be leaving for WOW soon. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Fun stuff. You know, I, yeah. with his size, his look, he's charismatic can work decently, can talk competently, given his experience. It really is something that he didn't, that Ottman didn't get a bigger shot until Tugboat. I, I never understood why Dusty didn't get him in, in, in Crockett. So what, what exactly is the family tie there? He's his, married he, to, he is, he's, he's married to he's a, a sister of Michelle or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uncle Fred. So, yeah, like, how is it that Dusty doesn't get it? I mean, we're talking about a guy who, sh- the early sign of him we have is what, 85 is Siegfried in Georgia? Yes. He does work before then, though. He's a Malenko guy. I've seen I've seen him work uh, as Fred Ottman in uh, 84. On, like, Florida Indies? Yeah, on Malenko, you know, Outlaws, yeah. Yeah, it's really weird that he doesn't get any kind of big break until then. And, you know, I guess the big steel man thing does get him on the radar. And I mean, did Dusty get him the job in Titan? Probably had something to do with it there. Yeah. But I mean, the guy made a name for himself in Texas and San Antonio. Yeah. And then br- brought that to Memphis. I mean, he, he worked. I mean, he was around places. It's just weird that, he didn't come to JCP in 88. I don't know. Very weird. All right, speaking of Dusty, Manny Fernandez got in some barbs on Dusty Rose and Nikita Koloff during the interview, calling Dusty a fat nightmare. This was on the Memphis version of the show, not on the uh, syndicated version, which we have on YouTube. Dave's told Fernandez is going to make a great heel here and just destroying his jobber competition. Must be all that Japanese food. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he, he 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 is good for the short time he's here. Absolutely. All right, Nashville on the seventh or two thousand fans as Don Betscall for be bad company. Nashville boys over a uh, Brickhouse and Bobby Jackers by, by DQ. Midnight Rockers of RPMs by DQ and a match where RPMs put up a thousand dollars to be thrown to the crowd. This is uh you know, Nashville, so we're we late on that. Uh they did the same step and result in Memphis on the second. Rockers got some of the money through it to the crowd, but very little of it. Manny over Billy Travis, Jimmy Jack over Jeff Jarrett, building the over Hector by DQ. When uh, Jimmy Jack and Manny ran in, they ripped all Dundee. They tripled on Dundee, and Jaggers won the Battle Royal. It's also not Jarrett. So Jaggers won the War of the Promotions Battle Royal in Nashville because Lawler's not on this show. Of course. And uh, 2000, that's pretty much packing the fairgrounds, right? Yeah. That's good. Really good house. Did they ever run the Municipal Auditorium outside of the Great American Band nope. Live show? Nope. Always fairgrounds. That's the only time they ever ran that build. Yeah. 
So yeah, this has to be considered a success then. Yeah. Let's go to world class now. I don't know if no news is good news, but Bruce Brody isn't working anymore. Although the breakup was inevitable since he's headed for Japan in a few weeks. And he doesn't work there again. Although he was talked about coming back before his before his murder. They were mentioning his name. But no, he does not work again in world class. So the, he doesn't have any bookings in 88 there? No, nothing. So the, the show they were promoting for basically the Monday after he got killed was his return. For yes. His scheduled return. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Huh. Yep. So 88 is mainly All Japan, Blackwell. Uh, just Madisic stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Puerto Rico. Yeah. I did not realize that. Huh. Yep. In order to help draw a big crowd for their Thanksgiving show reunion arena, World Class has bought billboard space around Dallas for voting carrier's return. In addition, Chris Adams will no, no doubt be back in action for the card, and ticket prices have been slashed with general admission $3 for adults, 2 for kids, ringside cut from $25 to 10 so the crowd will no doubt be a lot larger than they had the Cotton Bowl, but the gate will be likely in the same ballpark. What did they draw Man. for Cotton Bowl 87? Yeah, it wasn't much. I'm trying to see if I can pull up some of the stuff here. I'm looking at uh, progressing history. Newcomer The Thing, who's getting a big push, is a rookie from Florida, trained by Boris Malenko, who wears face paint and is pretty green. Yes, Brian Carrero. Brian Carr. Yes. <laughs> the Thing. Yes, who, uh, as it turned out, was a heavy for cocaine smugglers in Florida. But I did not know he was a Malenko guy until I did the notes. That makes sense. Uh, for 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 Florida reasons, at least. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, the thing the thing I was going to say the thing is the thing was brought in at the request of Steve Corey, the promoter of Von Erichs Across America, or Von Erichs Over America, whatever it was called. So, uh, curious how he knew uh, one Brian Carrero. You know. Yeah. Okay, I'm checking what's on ProWrestlingHistory.com, so presumably from The Observer. Con Bull Extravaganza on October 17th. 3,700 fans, $48,000 gate. Yeah. Not, Not good. good. No, uh, 86 had been 5835 with a 71,729 gate. And 85 with the... Uh, Double hair match was twenty six thousand fans, in over two hundred forty thousand dollar gate. All right, Mesquite, Texas, at the Royal Arena, on November first. We have Sweet Brown Sugar over Brian Diaz by DQ. Tony Ellis over Killer Tim Brooks. Frank and Thumber Lancaster over Vic Steamboat. Sean Simpson won a karate match over Eric Embry. Matt Bourne, Bruce Brody, and Kevin Von Erich beat the Iron Sheik, Al Perez, and the Thing. And the ring, the Thing won a two ring battle royal. And the they, uh, they do 7,000 fans on Thanksgiving. Then the next night at Will Rogers, Sean Simpson over Cowboy Tony. Frankie the Thumper went to a draw with Vic Steamboat. Embry went to a draw with Sweet Brown Sugar. Spoiler over Brian Adias. Alperez went to a draw with Tony Atlas. And Alberto Madrill and Matt Bourne beat Iron Sheik and the Thing in the main event. Sheiky and Brian Carrero as a tag team. That's something. <laughs> team drugs? Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't even think of anything clever for that. But then there's this. The Von Erich's of America tour went to Birmingham on November 7th and had a turnaway crowd from what everyone was told, meaning someone must have been the parking lot telling people to turn away because supposedly there was between 40 to 75 people attending the show. And the so rest who's was just, saying it was a 300-person turnaway crowd, though? The, the wrestlers just went through the motions. The crowd was announced at 300. This is the Boutwell folks yeah that's the other thing i was about to say wait a second this is confusing this is the continental t- the, the, air, the, the arena or continental film their television and they had between 40 and 75 people there jesus christ well anyway here's the results a texas tag title match well not results just the card there's the results texas tag titles match tony atlas and sweet brown sugar defending against cowboy tony and frankie lancaster Play with Apollo against Al Madrill. Ted R.C. defended the Texas title against the spoiler. Eric Amber defended the lightweight title against Sean Simpson. Brian Diaz and Kevin Eric had a Texas death match. And Al Perez defended the world-class title against Matt Bourne. I mean, good God. I would, I mean, <laughs> when they did the Von Erich's Cross America tour, I guess they were thinking Kerry was going to be back by that point in time. But, Jesus, this, this is terrible. Yeah. Birmingham. Never in Birmingham before, too. Jesus. All right, uh, Kevin and Kerry started for uh, Noki uh, on New Japan on November 3rd for the last week of the tag tournament. So there's that. Wild West Wrestling ran Billy Bob's on November 7th. We only have uh, a couple of matches here. They had the tag titles tournament. Semifinal matches saw the Fabulous Lance and Wild Bill Irwin go to a double DQ with Iceman King Parsons and Buddy Roberts. And then we had John Tatum and Jack Victor beating Cuz and Solomon Grundy. Wait, Cuz and who? Just Cuz, C-U-Z. No, and, and then, who? Uh, Solomon Grundy. Thank and you. Then the, and then the final saw Tatum and Victor win the belts, beating the missing link and Rattlesnake Jeff Rates. And these are the only titles that are ever introduced in this promotion. Yep. So... That, yeah, we we don't have hardly any results from Wild West. Period. So, all right, Central States rest, uh, wrestling with Downtown Bruno facing Rick McCord in a lose league town match on Thanksgiving. It appears Bruno's head to Continental to manage Lord Humongous. Apparently, this will be the same one that worked in Memphis recently. Sid Udy, and not the Humongous who got over real big Continental a few years back. Although fans aren't supposed to know that. Well, this Continental's got hair. <laughs> and beautiful wears, blonde curly hair and wears a little skirt Not, unlike the other humongous who was bald and didn't wear a little skirt around his tights alright Central States uh, no Kansas City show during our week or at least we don't have results for but they ran Beatrice Nebraska on November 6th in front of 720 fans where Rufus R. Jones defeated Russell Sapp's Esquire Port Chop Cash over Earthquake Ferris Cuban Assassin, Alessandro, over Rip McCord. Bulldog Bob Brown over Rip Rogers. Rick Patterson and Super Destroyer over Jay Strombo Jr. and Vinny Valentino. And then Rufus R. Jones won a Battle Royal. Hey, they drew 720 to Beatrice, Nebraska. That's pretty good for them. I guess. Beatrice, Nebraska. Beatrice Arthur. I guess the, the two big Beatrices. All right, yeah. AWA 
it appears, at least for now, that Vern Gagne won't be wrestling on Thanksgiving, although that could change. The card announced for Minneapolis is Kurt Higgins, Greg Gagne, in a rematch. Although Larry Diaxanian has said his entire family is buying tickets for the card. Tommy Rich uh, against Adrian Adonis, and if Rich wins, Paulie Danish has to wear a dress, and Adonis has to get his head shaved. Plus, DJ Peterson against Kevin Kelly, and if Peterson wins, he gets Medusa for a month, and if Kelly wins, then DJ has to leave town. Which, of course, DJ gets Medusa for a month. Makes her wear a red jumpsuit. And then uh, the original Midnight Express defended AWA Tag Titles against Jammin' Mishno and JT Southern, and Norda Barbarian against Soldat Yusinov. Now, speaking of Nord, he's working part-time and over real big in Minneapolis because of his car commercials for Nord Motors, a family-owned dealership. Yes. I mean, he's doing his gimmick in the commercials and stuff. Yes, we've played some of that stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I, di- I did find, by the way, the relevant section of uh, Downtown Bruno's book about the Loser Leaves Town match with Rick McCord. Yeah. And just real quick. Uh when the dramatic contest between Rick McCord and me was about to begin, I chose a rather unique ring entrance. I was carried to the ring on the shoulders of the Battens. Evidently, I had forgotten that they were barred from ringside. To the tune of Diana Ross's song, I'm Coming Out, which was more or less a gay anthem at the time. I have to admit it was a rib by Rip Rogers towards my friend, McCord, who, as I said, was an admitted homosexual. <laughs> yes, for those who don't know, by the way, that is basically that's, like that, that's, that's Bruno's why we make book. The Rip I mean, that's what that's why we made the Rip McCord comments on our show. I mean, it was out there. I mean, it was not a surprise. There's some other things he did that doesn't get talked about that we won't well, really get that's, into. That's so. more, yeah, it's more about that. But um, a few minutes later, the, I'm skipping ahead a little. The handsome young Rick McCord made his way to the ring, led by his quartet of baby faces, and accompanied by the sound of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson's Beat It. That was a good song choice, and it got a good reaction, as did McCord's Bye Bye Bruno t-shirt, which even I liked. Uh, uh, as soon as McCord rushed toward me, I ran out of the ring, tried to escape the dressing room, but Rufus was waiting. Lied to the audience, he threw me back in. God, this book is very offensive. <laughs> but yeah, like... I, I, there's not much more to add here for now. Um, well, good. Let's move on. All right. Uh, Steve Strong, Steve Savo is heading into Wahoo to view Midnight Express, which we mentioned that in Stampede. Uh, Minneapolis on November the 1st drew 1,500 fans. Not good. But Dave was told it's the best wrestling card in the Twin Cities all year. Huh. Results saw sold that used to not beat Jamie Mitch Snow. Bad. Alan West over Dick Slater by DQ. Slater won by submission with the figure four, but then the, the, visual, the decision was reversed. With Slater went break the hole. He kept it on until DJ Peterson and JT Southern made the save. Good match. Mr. Magnificent, Kevin Kelly, and Nick Kaneski, who's calling himself Slick Nick. Dave wonders where they came up with that one. Defeated DJ and JT. Forward to great match. Richard Verdonis by DQ. Uh, original Midnight's over Nord the Barbarian and Wahoo when they doubled it and pinned Wahoo. And Dave talks about Nord being over for his car commercial. Really good match, which means Dennis and Paul E. deserve a ton of credit because the other three, well... Well, of course, Paul E. deserves credit for having that great match. Dave, God forbid. Make sure. Just Kurt say, Hennepin, I Greg deserve Gagne. credit. Kurt Hennepin, Greg Gagne, and a very good match with Vern and Larry in the corners. And when Larry gave Greg the axe, and Kurt, who had been trapped in a sleeper, fell atop of him for the pin. On the previous match scenario, Kurt was actually heavily booed, and Greg and Vern were heavily cheered. 
It appears to them Thanksgiving was Vernon Gregg and Larry and Kurt, but don't know for sure, although Larry's 30 pounds heavier than he was when last seen in public. That doesn't happen. And if an animal's battle royal won by Tommy Rich, where blood was fine everywhere. No, Chicago Street Fight Battle Royal. Sheik Adnan was at the card, so he's back with the AWA, and Nord, who Casey managed at one point, chased him away from the ring. Hmm. So, yeah. 1,500, not good. Not good at all. Pacific Northwest, the Southern Rockers. Steve Don Scott Peterson won the Northwest Tag Titles from the Super Ninja, Shuji Takano, and Joey Jackson, November 7th in Portland. The finish came with the American Ninja, built at 6'8", 310 pounds. Brian Adams, who was handcuffed to manager Chris Colt, jumped on the apron and hit Shunji with a kendo stick, allowed Dahl to pin him. Dahl and Peterson are dressed like the Midnight Rockers, and are now going by the ring name Southern Rockers, which is about as original as anything Dave's heard in the last 45 seconds. <laughs> uh, results of this show, The Assassin, Dave Sierra over Moondal Moretti, American Ninja Brian Adams over CW Burst about his qualification, Mike Miller over Joey Jackson, then you had the, North, the Southern Rockers winning the tag titles, Coco Samoa over the Growler by Countout. Hmm. And uh, this is Adam's first coming. Well, had he even yes. been there before? No. Uh, okay, no. so this is no. his, this is basically his debut after finishing up with New Japan or yeah. in the dojo. Yep. Is and he technically Steve- on excursion here? No. Okay. No, he don't. Well, he doesn't go back really. I think he does like a couple. I mean, a tour or two, but he's not. I mean, he's graduated. Does Max Payne ever go back? Uh, I don't think so. This is the two of them and Benoit. Yeah. Of course, Benoit goes back masked as, Pegasus, as a wild Pegasus. Or Pegasus kid for his wild Pegasus. Um, Steve Dahl had left for a couple weeks on the David Manning Israeli tour. But he returned. Bill Casey went on the tour, but he didn't return. Art Cruz is living in the area, but is working on a non-wrestling job. Thus, as were a few, if any, dates. Then we have this story. This, the guy who promoted the wrestling shows at the Olympic Auditorium with Negro Costa and Neil DeSantos, along with a, a, a local boss promoter, attempted to buy the lease on the Olympic Auditorium, which would keep from being torn down. If they do tear it down, Dave would wonder who get the sign with the phone number, Richmond 95171, which at one time was the most famous telephone number in sports. The promoter, Benjamin Mora, was actually drawing more fans on a consistent basis to his shows in WF and NWA before coming out in the short end of a promotional dispute and losing the right to promote the Olympic. And it doesn't get torn down. No, it doesn't get torn down. But I don't think he more buys it. There's nothing no, to do with it. Or gets the lease or anything. No. And yeah. This is when it becomes the Grand Olympic, right? Yes. Which was not the name until then. Mm-mm. Just the Olympic Auditorium. And those shows, like, like Dave said, I mean, drew big houses. Now, our last thing here is not West Coast-based, but it's pulpery, basically, right? Sad the report that Matt results, the bulletin is folding. The bulletin had been around for more than six years. Bob Clawson did a tremendous job with it over the past few years. I've taken over from Jay Steele. But work pressures from both ends and financial problems with the newsletter forced the end. Dave's hopeful he'll be able to keep in touch with both Bob and Jay in the future as both are tremendous wrestling fans. Yes, Matt Results was a great, great newsletter fan thing, man. Um, it would have uh, 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 so many results that has been used to build these result sites over the years. Um, they would have newspaper articles in there. Um, 
they would have you know, stuff that Dave didn't have, and then the Observer at times, and um, yeah, really, really good stuff. Yeah, mainly, mainly a results thing, which for me, I love that. So, I mean, it has some news, but it's mainly results. Yeah, and if anyone has any issues beyond what's on um, Jason Campbell's website, please let us know, because we yeah, the stuff we have, I forget when it starts, but it only goes through like early '85. And it's actually before Clawson takes over. It's still Jay Steele at that point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. They, all these little uh, newsletters are going, going down the drain as uh, the 80s was coming to an end. Well, not all of them. Uh, yeah, a good chunk of them. But still, you know, Global Wrestling News Service is still around. Uh, Combat Sports is still around. There are still a few that made it the whole way. Some. Some. I said a few. But there's long but Matt watching Torch comes along and that really That changes things. That's changes everything and that's in the next year, so Alright, let's close up with Jim Crockett promotions. Which Dave is very bullish on at this time. <laughs> I really want to refrain from negative comments for at least a week on this group because Just to be clear, that was sarcasm on Chris's part. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because he says everything that needs to be said has been already said, and it's up to those in charge to recognize that certain obvious problems had to be addressed. Is this Crockett 87 or AEW 2023? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, change around the town at the top, or at least freshening it up. Freshening up angles that can draw. This Mighty Wilbur thing is fine, but when you're only fresh angles with a guy who is in your opening match on most cards and not even on Starcade, well, that speaks for itself. And most importantly, adding some life to the television shows. If they are, this promotion has the talent and exposure to be the second major force in the business. If they aren't, then Dusty can build himself up to his heart's content and feed his ego to no end and move to Dallas, following the footsteps of his role model who had the hottest promotion in the country only three years ago. I guess he's talking about Cowboy Bill Watts there. <laughs> uh, yeah. The more things change, the more they stay the same, Vix? On promotions that are on Turner Network televisions? Well, Turner, TBS. Well, well Turner, Turner, well, Turner Networks, yes. That, well, well, this is the era where they would use TNT for uh, their college football stuff. Turner Network television. Mm-hmm. Well, TNT, the network, has not launched yet, though. What it, what, what it was – no, what it was was they used that for – see, what they did was they syndicated uh, mm. their, their college football package. And that was called Turner Network Television Turner, was the band. TNT, Turner Network Television, yeah. yep. Did not know that. Um, yeah, it's – I'm trying to think. Should I talk about 1987 or the comparison to now? Well, I mean, we're, 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 we're talking about 1987. I mean – this we're in the first November. We're in the stretch run to Starcade. Garvin's the champion, so you got that going on, and that's being uh-huh. handled just wonderfully. The UWF has just been completely dead and buried. Um, Florida is now fully absorbed into Crockett proper, um, just like UWF, and it's just. Dave's right. The hottest angle on television is Mighty Wilbur, which we'll get into that in a minute. I mean, later in the segment. A guy who's not even on Starcade. <laughs> I mean, 
this, I can't preach this enough when we do this era. And I just said this, you know, recently on this show, this was the time to pull the trigger on the horseman split. Starcade 87 should have been the end of the run. And then you do the big angles afterwards where you split it off. Tully Blanchard Enterprises against Rick and the Andersons. I mean, it would have been perfect. Perfect. You know, and they still could have done the Barry Windham turn. Because Barry Windham, Tully and Lex, Lex especially, could have gotten Windham's ear, and they could have had the turn where it's Tully, Lex, and Barry against Rick, Ole, and Art. I mean, it makes sense because Lex and Barry were friends. Although they had their little deal. We know when Lex turned on early in the year, but still, yeah. I mean, there's and something. They would have JJ, and but but that. again, where does Dusty fit in? He doesn't. Well, so, he's not booking now. I know, but I he's mean, booking in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was booking then. So it's just there's stuff they could have done, but it took. I mean, here again, to Dusty's credit. 88, they did do the tur- a, a good turnaround. They did. They started, pushing, okay. they started pushing you. Well, st- they started pushing you people. They started, you know, getting, they had hot, you know, better angles. It got good. It just was too late. The damage was done here. This was the damage. And again, another thing that Dave's not mentioned is having Starcade in Chicago and on Greensboro. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. How did they have they has anyone that was involved ever actually explained how they miscalculated so badly on that? It's them wanting to go national. And if you're gonna go national, Chicago is a, a great market to run that show because it's, you know, always been one of the greatest wrestling markets in the country. I mean, they're in New York the night before. You know. Yeah, but, yeah with, with a show that was better than Starcade. Basically, but in LA, that wasn't going to happen because I mean, they were running the form and stuff, but Chicago seemed like the right place to do that show. But when they added Atlanta, they at least realized, okay, we need to split it between here and Green. Well, here's the thing okay, if they're not going to do one of the traditional southern cities, why not have Starcade in Philly? I mean, Philly was a great market for them. You know, why not do Star King Philly? That's I know an excellent you, question. I mean, they just did Crockett Cup in Baltimore, so that wasn't going to happen. But Philly would have been perfect to have, you know, to have the first Starcade outside of traditional Crockett country. And then at least it's on the East Coast, so maybe it comes off a little better. Yeah. And you're not pigeonholed into having the Road Warriors lose in their hometown. Well... Which is still one. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other deal there. I mean, they just had a lot of problems here. A lot of problems. The only negative is that David Crockett was at his absolute most embarrassed in this past week on television. For years, when everyone was hating David Crockett, I felt he was bad, but at least he was tolerable. He's truly the worst right now. David Crockett, there is that line with him when you watch him there's a line of being endearing and being you know that guy that you like okay he's he's so enthusiastic about the product 
But then there's those moments where he's just so overbearing and obnoxious. I, this is the era of Tony. Yeah. We gotta go. Yeah, that, that's part of that. I mean, just and just other things too. You know, his it, it, it's not '85 David Crockett anymore. You know, you're saying um, he's not over enough to be a special referee anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this was the perfect time for Ross to come in to take David's spot, basically. I mean, David's going to do worldwide with Tony. I'm talking about on, on Saturday night, where David becomes the interview guy, basically, because it just it, it was just it was just getting old, you know, just getting old. I didn't even. Still part of the show. Yeah, but... At that point, he was probably better just doing interviews. Yeah, he was. All right, as we proceed. Although Eddie Gilbert's no longer booking UWF, since there really isn't a UWF, he's still involved with JCP Booking, although obviously the booking itself is all being done by Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, he was working as an assistant for Dusty until he leaves. But the writing was on the wall here. I mean, once he pissed off Ric Flair, <laughs> the writing was on the wall. That he, he he wasn't long for Crockett at this well, time. Yes. Now, should he have foreseen that Flair would react the way he did? Who knows? Because Rick had never done that before. No. But just because he and, and then he just cuts some you know pro UWF promos, and all of a sudden Flair just freaks the fuck out at him. Well, the closest – no, well, I will say that. No, Rick had been early in the year when Rick Rude started doing shit. Mm. Rick would come back on him. Mm. Where some of the best promos on the television was being cut by heel, t- heel teams and heel groups that were never going to face each other, on each other, when they're going to business for themselves on the microphone. Not the best thing to do. Entertaining as shit. But not the best thing to do for business. Even though UWF has been done away with, most of the major wrestlers still remain. The November 2nd power, tapings for Power Pro Wrestling done before 400 fans in Greenville, South Carolina, saw only one former UWF wrestler get a push. And that UWF wrestler being Ron Simmons. They take UWF on November 1st in Salisbury, Maryland, with Larry Zbysko debuting with Baby Dolls, his valet. The car drew a $31,000 gate, nearly 4000 which is tremendous in a city of that size. With Dusty Rose, Ronnie Garvin, teaming up against Rick Flair and Les Luger as the main dart match. Shane Douglas was back, teamed with Tim Horner as the new Lightning Express. Although Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner will be back together again, it appears now. What actually happened with Douglas was that he was given a finish notice and asked if he could leave early to start school in Pennsylvania. And then when he got back, he was told the notice was a mistake, and he was wanted back. What? <laughs> Oh, oh, we're sorry. We didn't mean to tell you you were being fired. What? JCP, everybody. <sighs> Lord have mercy. Larry Zabisco, baby doll. Well, well, all right, we'll get to that in a second. All right, the Greenville show was headed by Barry Windham beating Arn Anderson in Texas Step Match and Rock and Roll's beating the Midnight's in Buckhouse Match. And Dave notes here, I have it twice here for some reason, that Larry and Baby Doll start up as an act at the tapings at Salisbury. It was interesting seeing Baby Doll back after over a year. 
she had lost weight. She was looking different in a way. And she's now that she's this, you know, big heel again. You know, she was here with Rick when she turned on Dusty. But, you know, she's with Larry. And you would think that it it wouldn't work, that Larry and uh, somebody like Baby Doll wouldn't work together. But it kind of did. Yeah, they had pretty good chemistry. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like they were being they were being treated as, you know, the, the guy in the valet or love interest. She was just his manager valet, you know? Mm-hmm. Just a business relationship. And she had all the tapes and all the other stuff. So it's like Larry got with her because he knew that she had all the tapes and stuff on the baby faces. Yeah. That would help him in his advantage. I mean, a, a very logical angle there. Yeah. And then, of course, we got the manila envelope and all that stuff, which went nowhere. But still, I mean, not a bad pairing at the time. Orlando, 80 Grand Sports Stadium on November 1st. Kendall Winner with Bill Mulkey. Jimmy Valiano with Thunderfoot 2. Buzz McGraw with Thunderfoot 1. Mike Graham and Rex Keeg. Yep, that Rex Keeg over the Barbarian and Dory Flint Jr. Kevin Sullivan with Big Bubba Rogers. On Anderson and Tully Blanchard over Nikita Coffin and Barry Winham. And the Rock and Roll Express over the Midnight Express. Now, Raleigh on the 5th saw Rick Steiner pin downtown Denny Brown. Italian Stallion and John Savage, Bob Marion's brother, over the Canadian Kodiaks. Jimmy Van of the Terminator, Mark Laurinaitis, Bugs and McGraw over Conga the Barbarian, Mighty Wilbur over Terry Taylor by disqualification, Michael Hayes, Jimmy Garvin, and Mike Rotunda over Tully Blanchard, Lex Luger, and J.J. Dillon. Gee, I wonder who did the job there. Nikita Kolf over Eddie Gilbert, and the Rock and Rolls over the Midnight's. Akron on the 7th through 1800. That's Kendall beat on one. Bugsy and Vian over the Canadian Kodiaks. Return over Big Bubba Rogers by DQ to keep Florida title. Jimmy Garvin and Mighty Wilbur over Conga the Barbarian and the Warlord. When Garvin pinned Conga. Michael Hayes over Ivan Koloff in a match where Hayes looked great. Rock and Rolls over Midnight's in a bunkhouse match when Stan pulled out powder, but Robert kicked in his eyes and pinned him. And Dusty over Luger by DQ when JJ Dillon interfered. The Canadian Kodiaks, Bix. Uh, you care to describe the Canadian Kodiaks if you may have never seen them before? It's been a while. I'm trying to remember myself. They were two short, bald dudes that had uh, stuff that was like, had like, uh, I think the, the arm things, like, um, what's his name, the AWA, that went through the wall? The, b- b- the Blaster. The Blaster, yeah. Managed by Skandar Atbar. Did not last long at all. They were in the UWF at, at the end. Um, was on Crockett TV. Just not good. Um, yeah. Okay. You you don't remember seeing them? You don't remember how they look? It's been a while. All right. I'm going to send you this link here. Um, okay. Actually, this is a match uh, from our week. Okay. On the uh, Great Monsoon Classic channel. So it's the it's the Cody Axe and Black Bart against Davey Haskins, Steve Do It To It Cox, and Dale Lapperhouse. Dale Lapperhouse. Da- Lapperhouse. Yeah. Lapperhouse. Yeah. Oh, there are three Canadian Cody Axe or is it a handicap match? It's two. It's two Cody Axe and Bart. Okay. Oh! 
It's whispering. Say, this was going to be a hot one. Oh, I thought it did. Jack Gregory. The Canadian Kodiaks. General Skandar Akbar, I tell you, he gives new meaning to the term money being the root of all evil. The Canadian Kodiaks here. Ooh, what a close Who are these guys anyway? Breaking the man in half. Akbar has got a devastating arsenal with the Terminator, the Canadian Kodiaks, especially those two big guys, and Black Bart. Akbar has got quite a find. Let's look at this one more time and look at the power that these two men possess as they literally throw their opponent into the clothesline. And, Jack, they met it with a lot of force. The entire look Monsoon this. Classic video is that 56 is seconds. That is one awesome team there, and you add the Terminator. <laughs> Skandar Akbar ringside. So their names was uh, Hog and Bear. All right. Um, they were Doug and Rick Lococo, trained by Ron Hutchinson out of Sully's Gym, Sully, in Toronto. Hmm. Um, they no-showed the uh, night before Starcade and got fired. They didn't show the Nice Coliseum show. Smart move. Bear and Claw. I thought it was Bear and Dog, but it Bear says and Claw. Claw on Cage Ranch. Okay, Bear and Claw. That makes more sense. It does. No showing the Night 4 Star Kid in Nassau Coliseum. One, a bit, one of the biggest shows the company had run. I, there's no results for them on Cage Ranch, at least uh, in like the three weeks before Starcade, though. They were working, and they, they just probably don't have it because I think they were doing TV tapings. Mm. But yeah, a very very small footnote in this era. Although me and Rob Naylor will always remember them. So there one you of them go. looks weirdly like Mick Tierney. <laughs> I know some people were at one point in time in the early days of um, being on the internet and reading on them forums thought they were the pit bulls. Because they're short and on steroids, and one was and one was bald. Okay, I don't think they'd even care. broken in yet, had they? Yeah, they, they. I think they may have been around, but not long. Okay, because they were doing WTV jobs, you know, fairly, you know, fairly a, re, a decent amount there in, in the late eighties. All right, uh, as we proceed here. The Florida TV show this week had a match which was pretty good with Barry Wyndham against Dory Funt Jr. And when Dick Murdoch and Kendall Wyndham both interfered, and Murdoch gave Barry the brain buster. They also had a match which was going good but went off the air, of course, with Tully and Arn against the Rock and Roll Express. And I believe this is on What's-His-Face's YouTube channel now. What's-His-Face, the newer YouTube channel. The yeah, video Aaron Scott. Scott, uh, or Scott. Yeah. Or Aaron Scott's video, yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah, I just watched this show fairly recently. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there are some later Florida shows I had not seen in circulation before on that guy's channel. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. So that's nice. And yeah, they were, until I guess it was the end of 87, Florida was still an original TV show. Yeah, pretty much. There is some interesting stuff on there with the mainline Crockett guys that didn't air anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem with shooting a big angle with Dick Murdoch and having it be a, on, about only the decent thing on the TBS show, which aired on Saturday, is that Murdoch left for Japan on Saturday and won't be back until mid-December. <laughs> well, that's their own fault. Yeah. 
going into Starcade, when you think they should concentrate their focus on the guys who are on the card, or at least guys who are working the territory? <laughs> oh. Who does he mean by guys who aren't working in the territory? Murdoch. Murdoch's oh, yeah. one. Um, and, and talk about Wilbur not, not being, being on Starcade, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. The Bob Cook, who was working the entertaining TBS match with Murdoch, is one half of the Mighty Yankee tag team in Florida with Jerry Gray. There was a point in the Japanese newspaper that Crockett Cup is being negotiated for Japan this year. While Crockett could conceivably, because of the higher ticket prices, grow so much more money here than anywhere in the States, there would be so many problems. He'd have to work with one of the two promotions or else the interest wouldn't be there because of no native talent. Inherent in such a venture that they would be surprised if it can be pulled off. This was something that was talked about, you know, in this era of them doing a Crockett Cup in Japan. But I don't think it ever could have been really feasible, politic-wise. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> at this point in time, it would have been with Baba. I mean, it just would have been, it's just a weird idea. I always find it weird. It's very strange when I come upon this stuff in newsletters in this era. And why would they want? And why would they want to do a Crockett Cup when they're doing their own tag leagues you know, at the end of the year? Well, it's single elimination. It's not a league. I know, I know, but still, you know. Also, he'd have to like it would have to be scaled real high for him to want to do. Because remember, I mean, one of the reasons Crockett pulled out of Toronto was just that between his percentage, his percentage being what it was, and the expenses. They weren't really banking more on the Toronto shows than they would be on, like, a mid-level town in the home territory. Plus, they kept the – I mean, their guys were so far away from home. Yeah. Because, I mean, more often than not, Toronto was double shots. So the, the guys would either have to work Toronto then come back to the Carolinas or work Carolinas and then go Toronto, which that happened a lot. I mean, I just did some results show today where guys were working Asheville at a three o'clock show, and then the Maple Leaf Garden show started at seven thirty. I don't know how long a flight from Asheville to Toronto is, but it seems like they would have to leave the building in their gear and get up there. I mean, stay in their gear. All right, let me see here if I can find. Uh... At least on Google. Uh... I'm only seeing with connections, but it's it would be at least a good six hours. It makes no sense. I mean, how can they, how can you do that? Wrestling how brother, I... <laughs> it's insane. Five hundred ninety-one miles from Asheville to Toronto. So, but it was happening. And guy, and as far as results go, the guys are were being there at both shows. Hmm. So. All right, um, all right, let's get to the TV now as we close out this section. Mighty Wilbur's the hottest angle. So he's been with Paul Jones. Puddinghead. Puddinghead. He's always been a baby face, but he still teams with Paul Jones' guys. Well, we got a match here on TV where it's uh, Ivan Koloff, the Warlord, and I can't remember if it's a Barbarian or not. Against the Rock and Roll Express and Mighty Wilbur. So, Paul Jones didn't know this was going to happen. 
So let's watch this, shall we? And watch Paul Jones' reaction, and then we'll watch the end of the match. Where'd they tape this? That would have been, it looks like Columbia. Columbia, South Carolina. And that would have been, are they still five? They're not five days ahead at this point anymore, right? They're what, a week and five days? No, they're, at this point in time, they're five days. They're, they're, this would have been a Tuesday. So this would have been Tuesday to Saturday. Okay, so this would have been taped on the second of Rock Hill, I think? It looks like Columbia. Uh, I'm looking at my records. When was the TV taping that week? Uh, okay, no, there was no TV taping on the second. Oh, maybe not the second, but it, it would have been around that because they were in Greenville on the second. Okay, they were. Oh no, I was looking at it. They were Rock Hill was was the third. Tuesday was the third. That's not Rock. That's not Rock Hill. Rock Hill's a bigger building. Winter Coliseum is much bigger. That that looks like Columbia because that's got the stage. So well, Rock Hill was the taping the previous Tuesday. So okay. this was not taped that week then. Okay, so when, what is the Columbia Township Auditorium date on your calendar? I have to, would have to pull up something else to find that. Because <laughs> that would the be. The 27th. Okay. The there. 27th of October. So it's a week and five days is the turnaround at this point. Yeah. Hey, when Ricky and Robert came out here. With Mighty Rover, the house came down. The house came down. This is a fantastic Rover. Look at Rover, I've never seen him more anxious. He wants to be in there right now. Let's go to the end of the match and see how uh, Mighty Wilbur fares there. Is that what you had time stamped? Yes. Next? Okay. Here we go. 
Jones. feet of children so you see I, well it's gene it's not as tall either you see columbia is a very distinct looking building that's how i know it's yes. columbia yes <laughs> so this would be gene Legan here then yeah that's gene Legan. yeah so at what point did th- did individual thunderfoot thunderfoot number one switch from being jolty to gene Legan? um really it didn't <laughs> because deaton is he's about to be fired because we're in the end, of, towards the end of '87, mm. when the, the, the has the car crash. Ah. Uh, so basically, this is Thunderfoot too. Okay. Yeah. But on Indies or something, doesn't Lincoln eventually just start wrestling as Thunderfoot? I think on Indies, yes, he does. Okay, but not. But in Crockett, he's Thunderfoot too. Exactly. Okay. Um, by the way, I'm not sure if this is a ringing endorsement for the state of the promotion at the time, but uh, in the uh, in Dusty's booking book, none of the TV formatting is there for this taping. Just the dark match. Not surprised. I mean, it's just it, it, that's what Dave's talking about, Bix. Yeah. It, it's, it's it being a mess. All right, let's let's close this out. See what happens. Same thing for the week before too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
you look at me face to face trying to call off. I want you to come after me. I don't think you can do it. I know I can rip your face off. Put your head. You stick it in there. The fire is going to be playing in your face. I've had no more games. My friends here in the ring have been locked All next week on Baltimore 54's uh, 8 o'clock movie. There you go. So we know where this came from. <laughs> but... So what you heard was Wilbur talking about Ivan Koff and Starcade. Well, here's what they did do. Oh, they in wrestled in uh, Charlotte. Yeah. No Greensboro. No Greensboro. Greensboro. Yeah. They did have the Greensboro. They had Greensboro only matches, and they had New Orleans only matches. Yes. Uh, and Wilbur and Ivan was, I think, the main event of the Greensboro set. I think so. What date was Starcade? Uh. The twenty sixth. See that was yes, the twenty sixth. Okay, that would be. Am I pulling up the right thing here? No, I need to go a little further. Uh, twenty sixth. Okay, so. Okay, so, being that it was also, you know, closed circuit for Starcade, um, seventy thousand five hundred dollar gate for Greensboro. And uh, the matches in Greensboro was Warlord over Ricky Santana. Might return to retain the Florida title over Black Bart. Misty Blue won a seven-woman battle royal. Yes. Mighty, Wil- Mighty Wilbur over Ivan Koloff. And Kevin Sullivan over Hiro Matsuda. Uh, and, and main event of Wilbur, Ivan. So the actual booking sheet also has a six-man of Kendall Windham, Rocky King, and Italian Stallion against Denny Brown, Gladiator number one. Replacing Thunderfoot number one and Nelson Royal. Maybe it happened, but it just wasn't in the results. Yes. Uh, um, New Orleans. Do you have New Orleans in there? Yes, and there is no gate listed. All right, New Orleans. The results from there was... It's interesting that they sent Boogie to New Orleans. Bugsy McGraw and Jimmy Valiant over the Jive Tones. Ron Simmons over Johnny Ace. Sean Royal over Killer Khalifa. Of course, the Libyan. And she purchased 10 UWF tag titles over uh, Lightning Express at the Lakefront Arena in front of a whopping 1,610 fans. Originally, it was listed as uh, Sheep Herder's New Breed for the titles. Well. With an opener of Lightning Express against Thunderfoot number one and local. <laughs> well, Chris Champion not being back or whatever he got going on. Uh Killed that. So. Yes, and originally it was going to be uh, Barbarian and, and uh, Tijo Khan. <laughs> Tijo Khan's in Memphis. It says Khan, I think. I know, but he's 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 about to be in Memphis with Margoline. When okay, had he already been in Crockett at this point? He came back okay. for a cup of coffee and then left. So, who do you think your referees my- were for each show? By the way. Oh, I'm oh, the usual suspects, I guess. Well, it was uh, Ed Falk and Pee Wee Anderson Falk. in New Orleans, yeah. uh, Teddy Long and Sonny Fargo in Greensboro. But, uh, I mean, Wilbur, we talked about this before, Wilbur. Dusty got that fucker over. Yeah. And then he he, he tears his ACL at the Omni on New Year's Day. And he's never seen again. <laughs> no, he is. He comes back. When does but he's not, he comes back in 88. But it's not the same. He's not, and he's not there long. He's just not the same no more. He can't. 
he was already a big dude that was kind of limited in movement anyway. But then tearing your ACL in 1988. Yeah. It's not like tearing your ACL in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. In 2023. So he tried to come back and they tried to do something with him, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't meant to be. A shame because they got that dude over. And he was and he was really good in his character. All right, let's go to World Championship Wrestling now. Ric Flair, not the champion at this time. So his promos at this point in time are a little different in their tone. So let's go to Nate, shall we, and see what he has to say. Week by week, it gets closer and closer. Yeah, bring it up one time. You know, Charlie, somebody, if I stand back here in that control room, you got to be sick. The people got to be sick. And they all got to be dying for the sight of a real Oh, oh, I thought he was going to say dying because they drink woo energy drink mushroom (laughs) infused. (laughs) Oh, man. Man, after the way this show kicks off, Ricky Santana walks out here, the minority that he is. Wow. World, what I've got, where I've been, what I'm going to do, what I'm not going to do. Well, let me tell you something, Santana. It takes more than a pair of wrestling boots and a pair of trunks and a bogus diamond earring to be something this point. And these two punks walking around in their mother's underwear trying to tell the world they're ready to wrestle is an insult to me. And new breed, listen up. You want to find out where you're right in this sport? Jump on one of this one time, pal. Now, Ronnie Garvin, Chicago, Chi-Town Heat. Now we'll talk about what really happened. We're talking about millions of dollars in production, multi-millions of dollars in talent. We're talking about the greatest sport in the world, the biggest sport in the of all time. And you know why? Because guys like the Four Horsemen and Dusty Rhodes and Steve Williams and the new breed, God bless them. And- this was taped on Sunday morning, right? Nope. When? They were taping on Saturdays again. Morning or evening? Saturday morning. Well, my point still stands. He's wearing sunglasses. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much the entire run on TBS. <laughs> well, it's a little, I know. But it's different. Well, it's different with him from the other. Everybody else associated with Jim Crockett promotion is going to be there. The NWA, the TW and the Wrestling Network, we're talking big time wrestling. And you know why? You know why? There it is. Because they want to be associated with the best. So Thanksgiving night, there's no choice to make. It's the choice. If you want to see the best, then buddy, you tune in. Because the best are going to be on display. The National Wrestling Alliance, Luger, Jesse Selection, Ric Flair regains the gold. Arden Tully beat their own warriors in their own backyard. And brothers, before I forget, let's put it down one more time. The 25th of November in New York City. You're truly, you got it. Woo! Dusty Rhodes, 
the Crockett family, the four horsemen, the road warriors, we are going to take New York, New York. We're gonna take it. More action fans right after this timeout. The reason, I mean, the, the talent hated taping on Sunday mornings. Mm. So then they moved it back. Oh, to I Saturday. wonder why. Then they moved it back to Saturday mornings, and they got tired of that. So in '88, when they made the change to start taping on every other Wednesday night. Mm. So they would tape tape two shows worth. Tape two weeks worth every Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that went wonderfully. <laughs> and that's because, well, then they started instituting main event taping. You know the main event only shows. So you mm-hmm. were taping. So in one, you know, in one week, you were taping pro and worldwide on one night. You taped uh, every other week. You taped TBS, and then no, not every other week. It was every week. They taped every week on Wednesdays. So you had the, uh, TBS on Wednesdays, and you had main event tapings. Sometimes they would have main event tapings on Thursdays. The first sun for that Sunday coming up, they take two main events on the same taping. They did that, so it was it was something. All right, uh, and we have one more to close. Flair talked about the new breed. Well, the new breed has something to say, so let's go to Chris Champion and Sean Roll, shall we? So this is post accident, but pre Royal return, in ring return, or. No, Champion and World back as a team. Oh, this they're is baby, uh, they're fully back. Okay, they're back and as baby faces. Okay, yes. The world. Jim Cornette's got a lot of gall coming out here and calling me a moose with a hernia when he's nothing more than a walking waterbed spewing angels from his mouth. How about <laughs> the degree to which uh, Chris Champion looks like Teddy Hart here? By the way. <laughs> Yeah, in like uh, every way. Yeah, the hair, the face, the clothes. <laughs> yeah, I mean they had things in common. <laughs> yeah, they did many things in common. Continuously <laughs> talking about nothing. When the new breed wants to take the Midnight Express in the ring and take their titles from them, we will. If we want to take. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard in the ring. Also, Chris Champion appears to be high as fuck. <laughs> Are you surprised by that? <laughs> All of a sudden, while John Royal is talking, he just starts <laughs> staring off uncomfortably into the distance. Again, are you surprised by that information? No! I'm not. I mean, this is like Herb Abrams at the Blackjack Brawl level of office tits. <laughs> it's a Sunday morning. Sunday morning coming down, baby. <laughs> Do we think I saw glowing spiders, like, coming out of Oz Coleman's head or something? <laughs> it's possible. And take those words. Oops. Oops. Oh, he's will. licking his lips. And if we want to t- I'm sure that's not connected at all. <laughs> It really is something how obvious this shit is once you know what to look for. Yeah. Again, if like say what you will about like oh uh, yeah, coked out promos. At least we don't have people just completely like 
we don't have people slurring their speech or tripping balls or whatever on live to, or live to tape television anymore. Some people may say that's that's not a good thing. Well, mushroom infused, brother. <laughs> the two bloody crazy, crazy men from down under. Take the UW shooting in uh, November 87. <laughs> I tell you what's funny about the whole Sean Royal thing doing the sheep herders. He was their fl- he was the flag man for them in Florida before Johnny Ace was. Yeah. That's that was the funny part about it. <laughs> I don't know how he flipped the switch the way he was looking to cut that promo with that energy. Oh, champion? Yeah. But, and that that was a that was him. I know, but like, look at this. This is happening for like a minute, and he's and he's, and then all of a sudden he's cutting this very energetic promo. That's Chris Champion. <laughs> so, not a new brain. God maybe, love him. maybe maybe he scheduled his dosing so <laughs> that uh, the uppers would kick in halfway into the promo. <laughs> maybe. All right. Well. That is it for this week's episode of Between the Sheets. Next week, get ready. We go to the year 2000. And Big Sun is extremely excited to hear that. All right, and WCW, we have uh, news on the ownership situation. Uh, we have uh, Torch has some information there that uh, is interesting and probably stuff that you've heard before. On the Patreon shows. But still, we'll talk about it again here. We have uh, Brian Alvarez reviewing a very interesting episode of Thunder featuring the debut of Lenita Erickson. Oh, so it's another time we get to play that. (laughs) Yes, we can't get enough of that. Nitro in London, England. So we'll talk about that. Actually, if I remember right, it's not. was it cut out on the network or? 
Yeah, I think you had to play it. On YouTube. Yeah. So we got Nitro in London. Plus, we get some other wild and crazy WCW stories. Shinya Hashimoto fired by New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we'll talk about that. Sort of. Big. Yeah, sort of. So big things going on there. Junakiyama leaving Team No Fear and Noah. We have FMW pay-per-view. We'll talk about all kinds of other Japanese indie scum. And, uh, yeah, so, so we got that. Uh, CMLL, they're getting towards uh, their big pay-per-view in December. So we'll talk about that, building for that. Plus, we got a big hair match in the way of Laredo. Scott Hall debuts in ECW. So we'll talk about that and how that went and how he kind of rubbed some people the wrong way at the TV taping in Poughkeepsie. Plus, we'll have news on uh, Hardcore TV and an update on the Sinister Minister from his uh, injuries that he suffered that we talked about before on Patreon.com slash 20 Sheets. Uh, Sabu becomes the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. We'll talk about that. We got Memphis Championship Wrestling as Power Pro feud going on. We got all kinds of other indie scum stuff in the U.S. And then the WWF, which is a long section. Tickets going to sell for WrestleMania 17 in Astrodome, which that's not going to do anything. Um, we got WWE Inc. filing uh, a lawsuit against L. Brent Bozell. Oh, we got the actual filing then. That's right. Yes, featuring... Dr. Michael Brannon involved in this. The, the Dr. Red Roberts of Global Wrestling. We have Brian Alvarez reviewing one of the worst SmackDowns ever there on television at that time. Uh, we got I mean, it's, Raw. it's two years at this point. But. We got Raw. We got uh, you know all kinds of crap going on, including interesting story about Chris Chetty. And a, a, a feature story on one of Bix's favorite subjects, Dr. Joel Hackett. All that more next week on Between the Sheets. Oh, we got like all your mainstream-ish stuff in that era. We got Joel Hackett. We've got Lionel Tate. Brent Bozell. Yeah. Yeah. We got got some some hits for you in that section. All right. Bix, thanks as always. You're the rock of the show. And this is Chris saying so long from the Peach State of Georgia.